Okay, everyone, this is exciting. We start a whole new year of Thursday night cheer. Water is always good. Okay. So we are holding over here. We're going to start. And I still owe to finish the Tashlech. I am not giving up on that. <laughs> be aware, next week, Thursday, we won't be here. Monday night, there won't be class either. I plan on doing the Parsha class on Sunday night. So we don't, we, we don't, miss, we don't miss more than one week. So the Parsha, Parsha My Life class should be 8 o'clock on Sunday. Monday night, Be'ezrat Hashem, I'm not going to be here till the following Wednesday. So there's no Thursday night share either. Okay. We are ready to begin. So, Pasha's Bereshis this year. Rarely do we have Bereshis to learn, because sometimes we have it such a short, we go right. But this week we did have a Bereshis week, but we learned already, Baruch Hashem, all the Maimarim Malakut in Torah Or. It would take us back to the book Torah Or, which is the first half of the Alter Rebbe's set of Torah Or and Lakuti Torah for the Parshas of the Torah. But we finished all the discourses on Bereshis. Actually, the next Maimar we have in Torah Or, that we didn't do, is all the way Parshas Vayeshev. It's almost the end of Bereshis. So until then, we're going to find other things to learn. Meanwhile, um, Parshas Bracha, which we read on Simchas Torah just two days ago, we never learn, because it's always in the middle of Sukkot, we never get to it. And there's a whole bunch of juicy Maimarim over there. So this Maimar is a Maimar on Parshas Vezaysa Bracha, but it's all about Parshas Bereshis, so it's really cool. It really connects the end to the beginning, just like we do on Simchas Torah. Truth be told, after I selected the Mimer, there's two Mizmar Shir Chanuk. Now, in Parshas Zaysabracha, the last two Mimarim in Lakute Torah, aside for Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, which is a section later, aside for the Mimarim Hashir Hashirim, Parshas Zaysabracha is the last. In Zaysabracha, there are two Mimarim beginning with the heading Mizmar Shir Chanukah Sabayis Ladavid which is a song that David HaMelech sang. Now, what it has to do with Parshas V'zei Sabracha, I don't know, because it's a Pasuk in Tehillim. Why is it the song that David HaMelech is singing, Aramim Hashem Kedilisani? I don't know its connection to Parshas V'zei Sabracha. I'm sure there is some kind of an explanation why it's in Parshas V'zei Sabracha, but it's interesting, it relates more to Bereshis than it does to V'zei Sabracha. Now, this mimer that's printed over here, so there were two of them. First, I thought of teaching the last mimer of Ezeisa Bracha, which would be the second Mizmar Shir, which is a fascinating mimer, but then I said, you know what, let's do this one first. It's also a very interesting mimer. But, after I started learning it, I realized this is so familiar. Familiar, and I realized that, I think, two years ago, Hanukkah, I taught this mimer, but not in Akuti Torah. I taught the same mimer in the Siddur. This is the Siddur, from the Alter Rebbe. Meaning just like there is a Sefer on the Torah, there's a Sefer Maimorim on the Siddur. The Maimorim that are on the Siddur, many of the Maimorim in the Siddur are the same Maimorim that you have in Lakuti Torah. Just different version. This is the version of the Mittler Rebbe. The Mittler Rebbe style of writing, even the ones that he heard from his father, he wrote very, very lengthy. Great expansion. The other writers, the Alter Rebbe's brother, the Maril, Rebbe Yehuda Leib, and his son, Reb Moshe, the Mitla Rebbe's brother, and some other chassidim like Rav Pinchas of Shklov and others who wrote, 
their style was more concise. Meaning, I don't want to say concise, is not the right word, more concentrated. The Mittler Rebbe was more of expansive. So this Mimer Mizmah Sheikh Hanukkahs is printed in the Siddur in the, on Hanukkah. Because it deals with Hanukkah Sabayis, with the rededication of, and that's what Hanukkah is all about. The Mimer actually talks about Hanukkah too. So um, two years ago, or three years ago, on Hanukkah, I taught the Mimer from the Siddur. And we did, we taught it in two weeks. It's longer. It's Kavaldiga Mimer. And uh, so it's the same Mimer, Mamish. Just here it's this one that's printed over here, I think is the Hanukkah of the Maril, the Alter Rebbe's brother. The Tzemach Tzedek took his Mimer and put it in here. It's a good review. And I don't think anybody remembers what we learned three years ago at Hanukkah, or at least not anybody was here. I don't know if you were there then. If you want a longer version, perhaps you can go to my website. Look on the Hanukkah and find the Mizmar Shir in the Siddur. But, I, but today, when I prepared, I didn't prepare very long, but Baruch Hashem, this was a smoother read, not so Kabbalistic, very, 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 very enticing to pull everybody in uh, to come to this class. It's, it's a really smooth mimer. Uh, but when I learned it, I learned briefly, I learned also the, the, the Ramosha's version, and I learned. Mittler Rebbe's version, I didn't finish it, but um, so um, hopefully we can bring in the pieces that are each one says it's really Gavaldi Gemayim, it's one of my favorite Maimarim, so let's read It's a song that David HaMelech sang, we say it every day in Shachras, after after Hoidu we say Mizmar Shir it begins on the page 194, second, second column on the bottom. Second column. On the bottom. Ms. Marshir, it's, it's uh, Psalm 30. In Tehillim, it is a Psalm 30. It's a song that David HaMelech composed in honor of the Beis HaMikdash. Now, even though for the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash, this is the temple of Solomon, of Shlomo HaMelech. Now, even though David HaMelech didn't see the temple, he only prepared the outline of it. He, he bought the, the, the real estate. He did the, uh, and he made the design, or at least started the design or whatever. But um, the actual building of it was only done through Shlomo HaMelech because Hashem didn't let David HaMelech build it. Shlomo HaMelech had to build it. David HaMelech prepared already the song that would be played by the opening. Huh? He, was a, he was a composer, he loved music. And he was the one who already made the song for the Chanukah Sabayis, what they would sing. And we sing that every day before Baruch Sha'amar, Mizmashi Chanukah Sabayis. So what does he say over there? I will, I will exalt you, God. I will elevate you, Hashem. I will sing your praises, and thereby elevating you. Kidilisani, because you've elevated me. Kidilisani, you've lifted me up. You did not allow my enemies to rejoice over me. So the Alter Rebbe has a very interesting explanation who are the enemies that cannot rejoice over me. So the Alter Rebbe says, and based, based on the Midrash. Believe it or not. These are the oldest enemies we, we have. These are such enemies, we always have enemies who want to obliterate us, the Jewish people. But these are the enemies that never wanted to allow us to be in the first place. These wanted to destroy us before we even came into existence. 
These are the enemies of the human race. These are the angels. Because they try to dissuade Hashem from creating us. Rashi says this week in the parish, when Hashem created human, Hashem consulted with the angels. Rashi says this teaches us that you're always supposed to consult before you do something. shows you humility. But what I picked up on this year, which I never picked up on, is maybe you're supposed to consult like God consults. He consults and don't listen to the consultation. He does what he wants anyways. <laughs> so it says the angels said, don't create. And then Hashem created anyways. And the angels said, who is man? What's this human you're so crazy about? You know, you're so excited about. You're creating a human? What's so great about this human? He's going to be a total failure. That's what the angels said. This is going to fail. It's not going to work. So... And he's going to explain, so what's the relationship of that to the Beis HaMikdash? Let's see. So that's the connection I said to Parshas Bereshis. Because this week in the Parsha, God has the argument with the angels. Create or not create. At the time when man was created, the Malachim were the ones who um, argued against it. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say, today's class is dedicated by Mrs. Miriam Fishman. This is in honor of her father. Let me get the name. Give me one second. Father's yard site. Let me just pick up. Oh, right here. It was a text. I'm sorry. Please give you one minute. Here we go. Tuvia Velvo Ben Mayer. May his neshama have an aliyah. The yard is going to be on Shabbos, which then is today's Chavhei, tonight is Chavzayan Tishrei. May his neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he send. To you, Mrs. Fishman, and to your family, much you channel down, much blessings, and, and for all, all that you need, all that you want. Schus of the mitzvah, starting the Thursday night chair for the whole year. That's a great schus. Okay, thank you for that. Now we go back to the learning. So the Malachim were the ones who argued against the creation of man. They said, what is man that you should remember him? Who is man? Stated a Medrash Rabbah, in Bereshis, Parshaches, I didn't, I, I didn't look this up. But there, it, it states how the Malachim were giving their arguments that man is going to be a failure and God should not do it. But then, at the time when the Torah was given, and, and you know what? All along, the, the, the angels were kept on like smirking and they were saying, you see, you see? Every time God was getting so upset that he created the human, you know? Adam sinned, and then Cain killed his brother. But then the, the, the generations only denigrated and denigrated. It became worse and worse till God had to flood the world. And first he killed a third of humanity, and then he had to flood all of humanity, and then he had to disperse them. And Hashem only had aggravation. All they did, this human being, was give God a headache. And, and so it was really going downhill. So the, and the angels kept on saying, see, we told you. And in the end, finally until the Torah was given. When the Torah was given, 
and the Jews received the Torah, suddenly, wow! The angels saw the greatness of man. You see, in the beginning they were arguing against the Torah, because after everything they saw, how man, how weak the human being is, how fickle and weak the human is, and how prone he is to miserable failure, the angels thought, like, and it's one thing to create a world and to create man, but to give him the greatest gift of all. So this is already what the Gemara says in Masech Shabbos, where there's a whole argument between Moshe and the angels. In the end, Moshe wins that argument that the Torah has to come down and enter the world. But after Moshe wins, and the Torah comes down here, and God comes down, and the Torah is given in the physical world down here below, the angels conceded and said, hey, you're right. But it wasn't a long-lasting victory. Because 40 days later, we messed up. And the angel said again, see, we told you, this is not good. It's not going to work out. You already got the Torah, and now again. So, until they built the Mishkan. They built the Mishkan, they rectified. And then finally the angels were like, okay. So, when the Jewish people said Nasa before Nishma, which is something that only, only angels are capable of, such a type of a deep commitment to be able to say we will do even before we hear what you're asking. What's the quality of angels? Angels are very close to God, so they're very surrendered. Humans are very rebellious. We have evil inclination because we don't feel God, we feel ourselves. So but when human beings achieved such a high level of commitment that we were willing to say, we didn't even have to hear what it says. We're, we're, whatever you're going to command us, we're going to do. That, was, that baffled the angels that humans are capable of that. And that's why they finally admitted that oh, they're, they're at least as great as us. But he in Ve'achekach, so then they hoidu, then they admitted, but then when it came the sin of the, of the golden calf, some who, they were again rejoiced. They were right. In other words, they rejoice when we fail. Forty days after the giving of the Torah, God spoke to us face to face. Couldn't expect any closer, any greater show of affection and love and honor how God honored the Jewish people to speak to the Jews face to face. Not through a messenger, directly. And yet 40 days later? It's like, it's like minutes after that. So that's why Hafach Libam Kolkach they had such a change of heart to become so corrupted. But then when they built the Mishkan, their joy kind of was slowed down. In other words, their joy of victory over what? Why? Because the making of the Mishkan is an atonement on the uh, making of the golden calf. It was for that reason that there was gold in the Mishkan. Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert, had a lot of gold. To be an atonement for the gold that was used to make the golden calf. So this is by the Mishkan. But when was this song sung? Where King David, what does he say? David the Melech says, I'm thanking God when he's inaugurating, he's preparing the song for the inauguration of the temple, which is a couple of hundred years after the Jews built the tabernacle in the, in the desert, the Mishkan in the desert. And yet David the Melech says, I'm thanking you God, my enemies did not rejoice over me. 
It's finally justified that we humans are the ultimate uh, species. Species. Greater than anybody else. Greater than the angels. This was already proven a few hundred years ago when we made the Mishkan. The Beis Hamigdash is the continuation of the Mishkan. Not only is it the continuation of the Mishkan, it is the full realization and the full manifestation of the Mishkan. So the Mishkan was like a, like a, a tent, a mobile home. So it's a, it's, a, it's a beginning of the ultimate glory that God shows the human, that God comes to live down here amongst the humans, not amongst the angels. The angels have also participate, we're going to see in the end of the Mimer, by coming down here and being part of it. But where is central station? Where is the main habitat of God? In the lowest world down here below. So that's why David HaMelech sang this when he, by the making of the Beis HaMikdash. That's when human, the, it's not only the Jewish people, the human race as a general can claim victory over the angels and justified in our creation. And that's what it's all about. Is that our, because why did God create a world? That we should build for him a home down here. And that's what we have when we have a Mishkan. We have a Obey Samigdash. But the question is, who are the builders? Who are the constructors? Who are the machers? Where are we? What's the choice in this ginormous universe, including the spiritual universe? What is the, what is the place where God desires most? Could be the angels. They thought it was up there. No, 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 down here. Uh, that's why David King David says, I'll be in the base of Migdash, in the building of the base of Migdash. A song for the construction of the house, or I'm sorry, for the dedication of the house. You did not rejoice your enemies over me. Who are the enemies? These are the angels. They're the ones who gave lodged accusations against man. Now, why? What does it have to do with the building of the, of the temple? Because the building of the Beis HaMikdash is the temple of Inyan Echad is the same idea. It's one thing in Maisa HaMishkan with making the Mishkan. Okay, hi, Gavna, Hevi, Besefe, Erke, Akinuyim. Similar to this idea that Samach Tzedek adds is brought in the book of Kinuyim. It's a type of um, index book written by on Kabbalistic concepts. Shechiber Baal Hamasader Seder Hadoros, Hamachaber Seder Hadoros, the one who made, there's a, fat, a wonderful book called Sefer Hadoros. Sefer Hadoros is an encyclopedia on, on Jewish personalities, on great rabbis. It's written a few hundred years ago. So this rabbi who collected, and basically it's not just on, on personalities, also events that happen, Jewish history kind of, and personalities. That book, Sefer Hadoros, um, he also wrote a other Kabbalistic work. Just check in the in the mirror. Look up there. So in in the in the part again. I just opened it. I opened it like a second. I can't believe it. Now he's gone. She's gone. That is so frustrating. No. She was locked out. I opened it. And how did it lock again? 
In any case, in any case, the Malachim are the ones who are called Oivim. They're the enemy. They're the most, they're the oldest enemy of mankind. Because they didn't want us to be created to begin with. And David Melech thanks and says, finally, when we built the base on Migdash, David Melech says, ah, we've triumphed over the angels. We can finally claim victory because now the Malachim were made they admitted that the human being, primarily the Jewish people, are superior to the Malachim. So to understand this Kitruk, to better understand this Kitruk of the Malachim. The Kitruk is this, uh, that the Malachim were you know, making trouble, accusations. We're holding in the second page. Sha'amru, they said Mo Enoish. The Malachim said Mo Enoish. He brought just earlier this back and forth between the Malachim. The Malachim said, Don't create man. Then finally Hashem created man. When Hashem created, it dismissed them and just created the human. And then they, they kept on saying, kept on seeing man miserably failing. They kept on saying, see, we were right. Until Matan Torah. When they saw Matan Torah, they admitted. And then after that, by the Chaita Egel, they they again complained. They said, hey, you see. And then when we built the Mishkan, which was later completely fortified in the Beis HaMikdash, they, they completely uh, um, conceded. So that's what David HaMelech is saying. When they were dedicating the Beis HaMikdash, you've lifted me up. You did not allow the angels to rejoice over me, over our failure. Okay. So the oven and Yekitri Gazesh Malachim to understand this, this accusation of the Malachim. Sha'am, this argument of the angels, Sha'am Rumo Enosh, which they're dismissing the human. And they're saying, who is a human? Sha'am Ramalachim. Now the Malachim are the ones who say this, the angels say this. They're on a higher level than humans. We know that if we see an angel, you know, the famous story with uh, Shimshon, Shimshon's parents, when they saw an angel, they thought they were gonna die just because they saw him. Just for seeing an angel, one can be so overwhelmed. that they're, they're so amazing. Very, very powerful and very great and very, very holy. Um, intensely spiritual, not like us. And they're a much higher level than on people, on simple level. So, so, so to understand their argument, and what's the answer? The answer is man is superior to them. So to understand this Indian, so to understand this, we need to understand the concept and the idea of angels and souls. What's the difference between them? So we, will, we find, one of the things the angels do all the time is the Malachim sing Shira. They're always singing to God. We don't find in Scripture, in the Navi, it should describe that, that, that Nishamis sing. It describes that the Jewish people sang. Oz Yashir Moshe, we sang. And at different times it describes how Miriam sang, and this one sang, and eh, different songs. David HaMelech had a song, a Shira. And, uh, you know, uh, Hannah sings Shira. And, uh, 
and then the Devorah sings Shira, and uh, there's, there's different Shiras that there are, Shloma Melech, Shira, Shirim. So there is some, by humans, but not, not by Nishamas. We don't ever see, now, in the celestial world, in the celestial realm, there are angels, there are souls. So how come when we, it, it speaks about the prophets and people who had access to the higher realms of existence and knew what's going on in heaven, they describe how angels are singing, but they never describe that the souls are singing. Why not? Maybe it's because souls don't sing. Maybe singing is a thing that Malachim do, but not 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 neshamas. Or be'emes, but it's not it's not that way because be'emes in truth, kama neshamas oimrim shira, tamid. The neshamas are actually saying shira all the time. Actually, we're going to see soon that they're saying even more shira than the Malachim. The Malachim take a break from their shira. They sing only at certain times. The neshamas sing constantly. There's no end to their song. So if the neshamas are singing, how come share? Now, he proves the idea that neshamas are singing, even though he says it's not stated anywhere in, the, in Psukim. It's not stated that they sing. There's constantly elevations. Neshamas are always on the move. They're always going into higher levels. Up and down. What do I mean up and down? For example, on Shabbos, the neshamas, all, all the bodiless souls that are in Gan Eden, either because they were here already and they're in Gan Eden, or because they never came down, whichever, whatever these neshamas are, when it comes Shabbos, or Yom Tiv, or Shchodesh, or something like this, a more spiritual, godlier day, it causes the neshamas to be elevated to much higher levels of, of connection to God. I mean, you have an aliyah. It's referred to, they go from the lower Gan Eden to the higher Gan Eden. Sometimes it describes even higher. They go up from the higher Ganeid, which is in the world of Bria, they go into Atzilus. And it says actually, Michael, doesn't bring it here, but in the other Mimer, the, the Mithla Rebbe brings it. Michael, he's the Kayin Gadol. He's the high priest. And he, he officiates, he burns on the Mizbeach. He brings sacrifices. Who are the sacrifices? The souls of the tzaddikim. He doesn't slaughter them. He offers them up to become absorbed in God. And that means they become, they are oila into atzilus, into a realm where there is nothing but Hashem. His nesham has become completely integrated into Hashem. And that's aliyahs. So there's all kinds of aliyahs taking place. That's what's happening. And every aliyah, every time a soul soars to higher levels and to higher stations, it's through song. Every elevation is through song. It will be from Chodesh to Chodesh, which means every Rosh Chodesh. What happens? What is the rest of the passage? All flesh will come to bow down to me. So even though Bepashtis, this is referring to when Mashiach will come, and Kol Basar, all flesh is referring to who? All flesh is referring to human beings down here. Every Rosh Chodesh and every Shabbos when Mashiach will come, we will go to the Beis HaMikdash. It says that then, when Mashiach will come, we will have Aliyah Laregel going to the temple, not just three times a year, we will go every Shabbos or, and every Rosh Chodesh. There be a lot of pilgrimages all the time we will be going. Um, so that's the simple meaning. But it says in, in Sifrei Kabbalah, in the Zohar, the sources, it's referring to the Aliyah, Kobasar doesn't only mean the flesh down here, it's referring to the souls.
that they, they're elevated even now every Shabbos and every Rosh Chodesh. Where do they go? To the higher Gan Eden. That's what it means, Le'ishtachavos Lofanai, bowing down before me in the higher Gan Eden. Because we know there's primarily two levels of Gan Eden, even though there's really gazillion levels of Gan Eden, but they're broken into two main compartments. The lower Gan Eden and the higher Gan Eden. The lower Gan Eden, the world of formation, the world of Yetzirah, and the higher Gan Eden, the world of Bria. And the Shamas go up. But then they go up, and then they go back down. They return after Shabbos, they go back down. Then they return back. I mean, everybody has another name. We know that the Rishayim, the wicked, leave Gehenim. Uh, leave Purgatory. Everybody goes up higher. The Nishamas that are in the lower Gan Eden go up to the higher Gan Eden. But then they go back. So when they're going up, how do they, how do they ascend through a song? And they go back up, up again to the higher Gan Eden. For Yeduah, it is known that every journey and every elevation, is only through song. Which is related to the Mishnah, where the Mishnah says, it's talking about the, the, the prohibition of carrying on Shabbos and referring to the, uh, the laws pertaining to one's animals not being, that we're not allowed to have them do malacha, we're not allowed to have an animal also do work on Shabbos. But it says that an animal is allowed to go out with a ring that they would have around their neck. Shear is a ring. Called Balea Shear, all animals that wear a ring, Yoitzin can go out into the public domain, Bashir wearing this thing. It's not called carrying. It's considered part of their clothing, I think. It's where they're allowed to go. That's the simple meaning. But the Alter Rebbe heard from his Rebbe, the Magid, Mizritcha Magid, there's a deeper mystical meaning to this mission. Kol Bale Ashir, all, all beings of song, Yoitzin, go out from the, whichever level they're in, at. Yoitzin, they ascend they go out of their limitations. They go out of their boundaries. They go out of their constricted state to soar up to much higher levels of, of connection to Hashem. How? Bashir with a song. So they sing a nigin, and that's how they rise. Kol balei Ashir yoitzin bashir. Benim shachin bashir. And they're drawn bashir into the higher level. Or Vinim Shachan can be they're drawn back down into their kalim also through a song. Uh, there's a song of Ratzaya, there's a song of Shuv. The song we sing Friday night and the song we sing Matzah Shabbos. You know? One of them takes us out, one of them places us back in. We see by us as well. On Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the high holidays, we're all elevated people. So kiss, we go from level, how do we do it? We do it through a song. And the more they sing in a song, the more they sing in a shul, the more people are elevated. It's not, it's not, it's not a little thing. People think, oh, yeah. it's, damn, it's nice, let's sing in shul. No, it's important. That's how people have a spiritual elevation. Or else you stay stuck. The same place you were when you walked into shul. Sing, sing a nigan. See them always sang when they davened. Always sang. Because it's, the song expands opens a person up, leads you to a higher place. Like it's explained in the, in the great Lakute Amarim. It's interesting, he's referring to a Gadol. Lakute Amarim, because the Alter Rebbe also made Lakute Amarim, that's Tanya. Lakute Amarim Agadol is referring to the Sefer of his Rebbe, the Magid, there's also called a Sefer Lakute Amarim, from the, from the Mizritcher Magid. 
It's not he didn't write it. It's a collection of his teachings. That's why maybe he's referring to it as Lakuti Amarim Hagodel. In any case, over there he teaches this teach Kol Balei Ashir Yotzin Bishir. Ella, but if that's the case, so if we know it's a given that the shamas are constantly on the move, and how are they on the move through singing songs? So if so, why isn't it stated anywhere that about you know the Nevi'im, the prophets experienced beyond beyond the the physical curtain? They saw the higher realms and they describe what's going on with the angels. How come they never describe the singing of the of the uh, of the souls? We don't find it in, a, in stated openly in the pasuk. And the reason is the reason is because the, the Nevi'im could never the Nevi'im could never hear it. It's not that they're not singing, it's just that the Nevi'im can't hear it. Why? Because when you're singing a tune in your mind, I can't hear it. If I tell you to think a song right now and you start singing in your head, you're singing the Alter Rebbe's Nigan. No. Alright, I'm just thinking the Rust over Nigan. That's the Nigan Achana. Now that I did the Achana, we can do the Alter Rebbe's Nigan. You can't hear it. I'm singing it. I have the Nigan and all the tenuous of the Nigan, I have it in my thought. Why? Thought is too, thought is very, very refined and uh, ordinary people can't, can't know thoughts. Speech is, speech is thicker because it's coming from the body. Thought is in, is, in the, is in the soul primarily. The brain, but in the soul. But uh, speech is more of a physical element. It has... Uh, you're, you're emanate. You're causing sound by emanating by breath through breath, and breath as a substance, physical substance. That kind of sound you can hear. So he says the malachim, they're not physical, but they're metaphysical, which means they have some kind of physical dimension to them. A very not I'm trying to say physical. They have a body. Their bodies are made out of very refined matter. Matter in its most sublime state. So there is some kind of a keli to the, to the malach, and there's some kind of a body. And therefore, because there is a, a substance, when they sing, me and you can't hear it. But a navi, who is very, very fine-tuned and is very, very sensitive, because he's He's a high neshama, and he also trains himself through meditation and so on and so forth to be able to sense and feel and hear things that ordinary humans can't hear. So he can tap into and hear the song of the malachim. The neshamas, he's going to explain, don't have any bodies. They're pure spirit without any matter at all. Unless they come down here in a body, but that's a different story. But the neshamas, these neshamas have an existence as spirit without matter for thousands of years, as they are in heaven. Or as we say, not even in the realm of time. Shamans have an existence without bodies. 
Malachim, from the very moment they existed, are always with a body. There's no such a thing as a spirit of a malach without a, without a body. They're created body and soul together. And therefore, a malach is inherently has a body. And therefore, when he sings, it has physical vibrations. Very, very, very subtle. Very subtle, benign physical vibrations. But it is a physical vibration. And that's why the, those that are sensitive, like Nevi'im, the prophets, were able to hear these, these very subtle sounds. And they heard it as booming sounds, but it's still... The Nishamas are singing a spectacular song. As beautiful as the Malachim can sing, the Nishamas can sing so much greater. But their song can't be picked up by the Nevi'im because it's too elegant and too refined for a Navi who is, after everything is said and done, his soul is in a body, so he's operating through a physical, through a physical body and a physical mind. He can't pick up on their song. Just like I said earlier, if you're singing a song with, with breath, with sound, I can hear it. But if, you think, if you're singing in thought, I can't hear it. So, The song of the angels is heard in the ears of the Navi, of the prophet. Like it says, and I heard Acharai behind me. Koil Raj Godoil, a great sound. And he heard the sound of the Malachim saying, Kaddish, Kaddish. It's interesting that Ramosha, the son of the Alter Rebbe, in his version of the Mimer, says the reason why it says, Acharai, I heard behind me, is because since Saif Kosaif the Navi is a Neshama, yes, he's a Neshama in a body, but he's still a Neshama. So he belongs to the innermost, Pneumius Olamos, the inner element of the world, as we're soon going to see, as the, as, in contrast to the Malachim, who are more in the external part of the world, more in the, in the time and space element of the world. The Shamis are more rooted in the inner dimension, in the soul of creation, not in the external element of creation. That's why when the Navi heard the Malachim, he's hearing him, Eshma Acharai, behind me, because the Navi is really more pneumistic. Yet, since he's in a body, he can't hear the Neshama singing, but he was able to hear the Malachim, but when he's hearing the Malachim, it's Acharai behind him. But he can literally hear it in a coil, in a sound. Like it says, Ve'eshma, and here. As koil kanfeyem. Another example. Not, not only do they hear the voice of their sound, of their vocal cords, as they're singing, but also the sounds of their wings as they're flapping their wings. Kekoil mayim rabim, like the sounds of mayim rabim, the great waters, the sound of crashing waves. So imagine to hear the sounds of the flapping of the wings of the angels. It's the sound of the thundering of the ocean. And he hears them, and they make be heard, beyira in fear. Yachat together, bekoil in a sound. As it also says, Vo'ifanim, berash kodol, and the ofanim, which are the rolling malachim. They, they, they make a big ruckus, make a big sound. It's because they have bodies. As it says, 
It says, Hashem makes His angels, Ruchais, He makes them out of wind. Ruach is wind. Meshars of His attendees, His attendants, not attendees, His attendants, Eishloit, flames of fire. The Loikoyal Anashama Shalehem. I'm saying interesting. It's not referring on the souls of the angels. That the souls of the angels have fire and wa- and, and ruach and wind. Why? Because the neshama, when he says neshama, he doesn't mean souls. He means the spirit of the angels. The neshama of the angels, everything is oil and keli, light and vessels. The lights, the energies, the, not the container, doesn't have any substance of fire and wind. All it is, is an intelligence. It's what characterizes, it's, 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 a, it's a being that has, has, it's an intelligence. It's a pure intelligence without a body. That's what it is. It has seichel. That's what it makes up its being. It's hasag. And in that you can't say fire and wind. Just like the soul of man, which conceives and, understands and grasps ideas. That can't be called ruach. And flames of fire. It's referring to their bodies. The bodies of the malachim. And like the Ramban Nachmanadi says, Shamalachim Yeshlehem Guf. I, mean, I think he says it in, in, in not in the Sefer Apirush on the Torah, but in Shar Hagamul. It's a certain uh, Sefer the Ramban wrote, where he talks about reward and punishment and all that. Shamalachim Yeshlehem Guf. That the Malachim have a body, the Ruach from the element of wind. Hapashut. But it's not the wind that we have, because our wind that we have, to, when you go outside and you feel the wind blowing, Rashi, I mean, Rambam already explains to us that all physicality, all physical matter is already a mix of all four elements. So our wind that we have has fire and water in it, and also earth, subtle. So it's all there in, 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 in what we have. But they, Malachim, have pure ruach without other things. Um Yusayid Aish Apashit, and also from the element of fire that is Pashit. Pure fire. But also, it, it means more than that, I think. Pasha doesn't only mean it's not mixed with anything else. It also means it's not fire as fire manifests, but it's the, the essence of fire. It's the more abstract power of fire. And the abstract power of wind that's made up Malachim. So we're dealing with, when I say metaphysical, I mean super metaphysical. It's very, very, very idle, but still creates vibrations. Still occupies space. It's still an, an entity that could be seen as a being that exists within the, the six dimensions of space. And because it has space, when it's excited, it gives off vibrations and sounds that is detectable to a very, very sensi- sensitive ear. And that's why he also says the angels, they actually occupy space. For example, the Masechtas Chagiga discusses the angels. It says over there, there's a who the distance to pass through his body, from one end of his body to the other end of his body, is a distance of 500 years of travel, whatever that means. 
spaceship travel, light, light years travel. I don't know what the, the, the 500 years are. What speed are we moving in this 500 years? But this is what Chazal is, is, is a measurement that Chazal used. V'yesh malach b'shlisha o'ilam. There's a malach that's a third of the world. So what is that? Obviously we're not talking about their soul, the spirit of the malach, because the spirit of the malach is not measurable in terms of space, 500 years of journeying that. It's has to be their body. God will call kach, is so great. Because it's within space. It's within, the, it's within the realm of space. And it's for that reason, their song, encloses itself in some kind of a, song, a sound, till it's able to be heard in the ears of the prophet. Which isn't the case of the song of the souls. They're not being heard. Because they're not enclosed in a body at all. So hold it. And what's with the malachim when they're not enclosed? The answer is there's no such a thing as an unenclosed malach. The malachim are, are immediately created energy and vessel, soul and body. Not so humans. Our neshamas exist as independent beings without any body. It's only at whenever God decrees, the impossible happens. That this very refined, abstract being who is totally beyond time and space enters into and connects and encloses itself and becomes one with a, with, with a physical body. And that's one of the most uh, um, um, uh, impossibilities that God does, and we say Ashayatzar for that, and we say Umaflilas is God does wonder to connect a something so spiritual, so beyond, and to connect it to a physical matter and to merge them. Maflilas, it's a wonder. But let's go back again. And because Nishamas don't have a body, so their song does not enclose itself in sound. It's a nigin-like, relate. It's, it's, it's in the same level, it doesn't mean it is seichel, because then, then it's not song, it's seichel. It's, it's, an, it's a form of an excitement, of a yearning, but it's the same idea like we understand that when, you're, when you have an idea, a concept, no one can hear it. It's spiritual. When you understand something, Unless you speak it, but if you don't speak it, just the concept itself—it's a spiritual. It's an it's, it's, it's an idea. It's not, and an idea you can't say. An idea takes up space. Give it to me. Put it here. Oh, it's, it's not within the context of space and time and a concept. And so a song—the song of the malachim—are also. I'm sorry, of the neshamis are also on that level. That's why the Nevi'im didn't speak about it. Because they couldn't give us an account of it. Because there was not, they didn't hear it. Now we, we find similar to that. Same as also, can you see Nishamas? Well, we don't find that in, in, in Scripture that anybody sees Nishamas. We see seeing angels in a few weeks from now, Pasha's Vayera, Avram Avinu gets a visit from three Malachim. We spoke earlier, Shimshon Agibar and his wife, 
Mitzar Shem Shem Kippur's mother, uh, father Manoach and his wife, they saw, they saw an angel, Hagar saw Malachim. Uh, Yeshua had encounters with Malachim. Angels are seen. Yosef met Malach Gabriel when he was looking for his brothers. So they're seen to physical eyes. Who? Not everybody. People that have edel eyes, refined eyes. Those who have, you know. By Bilam it says, Hashem opened his eyes, particularly even though he was not refined eyes. But God opened his eyes to see the Malach. Okay, fine. But generally, right, Tzadikim, who are very refined, they, 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 they watch their eyes, and they only use it the way they're supposed to. They can see things that others can't see. See, see Malach. It says by he saw three people. And the reason why they are visible, the reason why, so obviously, when the Malach appeared to Avram, the Malachim had to do something to appear. It wasn't like, just like Avram suddenly opened his eyes and saw Malachim. The Malachim came to visit, which means that he descended. Descending into our realms means that, there, that they, they became more tangible. The Malachim became more physical. But even when they became physical, they are, as he says over here, not, it's, it's, me and you wouldn't see them. Same Malachim that Avram Avinu saw, me and you wouldn't see. Because they remained a little bit above our range of vision. But the fact that Avram could see them, and usually he didn't see Malachim every day, Malachim, is because they did descend at that time to be seen. But the reason they are descendable and they can be seen is because they have a body, they just have to thicken up their body a little bit or dress it up. It's like put on a, a more of a suit that can be seen. But the fact that they can put on a suit is because they themselves are spatial creatures. Which means they have some kind of a physical substance so they can enclose themselves in something that can make them more tangible and more visible, therefore. Because they have bodies. And they're able to become enclosed till they can be revealed. And they should be seen the Shamas cannot make themselves visible unless a Neshama comes down in a body. That's a different story. That God does a wonder that He takes the soul and He puts it in the body. It's a different story. But as a Neshama being a Neshama, to being able to be seen by, by, by a person, not, not possible. I can ask the Kasha. How come the Rabbeim always right, there's many writings, the person Friedrich Gerber writes how he saw his father, father came to him. And then he says at certain points, he say, when the, when the Baal Shem Tov came to visit, the Baal Shem Tov and the Magid came to visit the Alter Rebbe in jail, it says they came to him in bodies. Because someone asked, someone said he saw that cell, and the Rebbe asked, was there place for three people in the cell? Alter Rebbe describes how when he was in the, in the cell, he got a visit from the Mizritcha Magad and the Baal Shem Tev, and he asked them why this is happening to him. Why, why does he have to suffer like this? What's going on? And they told him, because you're spreading Hasidus in a way that you're disseminating the deepest secrets. And there's a big kitrig on you. So he said, does that mean I should stop? He says, no, no, no stopping. Not only should you do it, you should do it even more than you did it before. 
But you have to, this was, that's, that's, it's a process. So there you have to understand, and it says they actually, so the Rebbe says, I think, about that they came in their physical bodies. So how does that happen with the Rabbeim that they can see even Nishamas? Maybe Nishamas that were already in a body and their big tzaddikim can fetch their body whenever they need it. Similar to what we discussed the Shavuos by night. You know what? We discussed the Shavuos by night that Eliyahu Navi is able to put on his body whenever he needs it. He leaves his body in Olam HaYetzirah and then he goes, we spoke about the Shavuos by night. Remember, we had this whole discussion. So maybe, I'm not exactly sure. But put it this way, Nishamas that don't have any bodies, pure Nishamas cannot be seen to people. Or the other option is that there are Bayam on a whole different level. How are you going to say, he says about Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov that they were able to see the Malachim but they couldn't see Nishams? Akash. So I'll tell you a story in Vahamevin Yavin. I'll tell you a story, and those who understand the story and why I'm, why I'm saying it is good. If not, it's also good. Certain things I shouldn't explain. Because that's on my body, but they couldn't see Nishamas. But I'm saying that the Rabbeim were able to see Nishamas. Oh, because they came into a body. Yeah, but, but he's saying Nishamas can't come into a body. Unless they're, saying that, um, unless they're being born. That's what I'm saying. So how do they... How did that happen? That's the question. How did it happen? I saw a story that there was a... Uh, A, a uh, person came to the Tzemach Tzedek. Someone who wasn't a chassid. And he was the big Talmud Chacham. And he wrote, after the Alter Rebbe's Shulchan Aruch was printed, he wrote, uh, he read it, and he decided to write uh, Hagoyz on the Alter Rebbe's Shulchan Aruch. I, think, I don't know if it was Hagoyz to explain, or, or Hasagas Haraivid, like kind of a type of a thing, you know, which he was going to argue on. He came to the Tzemach Tzedek for a Haskama. So the Tzemach Tzedek told him like this, the Rif, Rabbi Yitzhak Al-Fasi, says, the Rif, by Rif is nishkaven kan By the Rif, there's no such a thing as the Rif skipped something. The Rif knew everything. If the Rif leaves out a Gemara, it's because he didn't hold of it. That's what the Tzemach Tzedek said. Meaning he didn't hold it, that's halacha, whatever. That's a holding Gemara, but he like, didn't, it wasn't goyrizet. It didn't, didn't. By the Rambam, he says, there was ishtemitzeh. Meaning the Rambam has three, three times that he missed something. But there isn't one word in the Rambam that is not that is that is not mechuvan, perfect. The Rambam, every word that he wrote, is, he was never tired when he wrote. Every word is perfectly said. That's what he says about the Rambam, about the Rif. And then he said like this: Oh, but there is is God andish. Of the Zayda, my grandfather, the Alter Rebbe. And, and they say, when he wrote the story, it says, guard, he emphasized the word gar very long. But the Zayda is on a complete different story. And then he said to the guy, get out of here. And he kicked him out. Don't try to write Haggos on the Alter Rebbe. That's what he basically told me. Al Kopanim, so how did Abayim can see Nishamas? 
What do you think? When the Rebbe, when, when the Rebbe saw you, he saw your body, he saw your neshama. So anyways, he saw the neshama. But this idea that Neshamis, this idea that Neshamis are visible and Malachim, so this fascinating idea, this fascinating idea that Neshamis are visible. I'm sorry, Neshamis are not visible. And Malachim are, have some form of a body. And that's why when Malachim sing Shira, we can hear them. Yes. When Malachim sing Shira, we can hear them. Not we, but Nevi'im can hear them. And when Neshamah sing Shira, they can't be heard. And that's why we say, Holy ones every day will always praise you. Ukidoshim and holy ones. Bechol yoyim every day, Yalaluch HaSelam. Who are the holy ones? So when do we say, Ukidoshim Bechol yoyim Yalaluch HaSelam? When do we say that? We say that, no. We say right after, uh, we say it in Atta Kadosh. Yishman Esrei, the third bracha, Atta Kadosh. You're holy, your name is holy. Ukidoshim and the holy ones. Who are the holy ones that are praising God, Selah, all the time? Who is this? No, it's not the Malachim. The, the Malachim we speak about when we do Chazar Sashat and we do Kedushim. Nakdishach and Aritzach. Sarfei Kodesh. What do the Malachim say? Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh. Baruch, Yimloch. That's what Malachim are saying. After we finish with the Malachim, what do we say next? Who are the Kedoshim we're talking about now? That's not us. That's the Nishamas in heaven. They're called Kedoshim. Kedosh means holy, but what's the real meaning of holy means removed. Removed from what? Removed from any definition. So Nishamas don't really have a definition because they don't have any vessel. Nishamas don't have, don't, have, don't have a body. They're pure soul. Malachim have a body. Neshamas have, again, remember, that, not to get confused, Neshamas have a body during the time that God sends a Neshama down here. But when the Neshama exists for all, for all of its existence, it's without a body. And what do we say? We're saying about a chiddush, we're saying a novelty. The Neshamas are singing Selah forever. Because the Malachim have a set time for when they're singing. Malachim are only singing at it says, well, there are some Malachim that sing by day, some Malachim sing by night. Why do Malachim have set time for songs? Because they exist within time and space. And therefore, once you exist within time, there is a time for everything. There's a time to sing, there's a time to be quiet. Because they exist within time. Nishamis, why? Why do Malachim exist within time? Because Malachim angels exist within space as well, as we discussed earlier. Malachim have some kind of a body, very, 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 very sublime, very elegant, very refined, that we can't see it. It's so, so edel. But it does exist within time. And he says time and space go together. If there is space, there is time. Yes? Where? 
Oh yes, yeah, so yeah. When he's with a body, he has, he's in time, and when he's when he drops his body, he uh, he's in a shama. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? First, we say the seder of kedusha of the malach. It's interesting that the Alter Rebbe in this version of the Mimer says Kaddish Baruch and Yimloch, that the Malachim say all three. Tzemach Tzedek brings in another Mimer that the Malachim don't say Yimloch. They only say Kaddish, 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 and Baruch, Kavodesh, they don't say Yimloch. Why? Because he explains Kaddish is an Olam Abriya, uh, Baruch is an Olam Yetzira. And Yimlech is an Olam Asiyah. And since this Malachim don't really, their main Malachim is not an Asiyah, so they don't say Yimlech. But then he brings, it's interesting, then he brings the Tzemach Tzedek. But in this Mimer, he quotes this Mimer, and he says that in this Mimer, from the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe says that Malachim do say, Mashman, that they do say Kaddish Baruch and Yimlech. You realize when we're saying in, in, in Kedusha, we don't say the Malachim are saying Yimloch. We don't say the Malachim say it. By Kaddish Baruch we say, The Malachim say Baruch. We don't, but by Yimloch, we just say Yimloch. We don't say. But the Alter Rebbe says, We hear the Malachim are saying Kaddish Baruch Yimloch. It's interesting, I forgot to mention. Tzemach Tzedek says there that in this mimer, and, and how do you refer to this mimer? This mimer was said by a Chanukah Sabayis. Which Chanukah Sabayis? When the Alter Rebbe inaugurated his shul in Liadi. Because initially the Alter Rebbe lived in Liyajna. Then he went after he was arrested. He was arrested twice. His first arrest, he came back to Liyajna after they freed him. Uh, two years later or so, he was arrested again. And a much lighter type of an arrest. It wasn't such a harsh arrest, but it was, in some ways, it was considered a greater danger. And then when he was released the second time, they forced him to stay in Petersburg. They didn't let him leave. He had to stay in Petersburg. And after a couple of months, however, he gained permission to leave. There was a certain count that was a lord or whatever, who was so impressed by him, a nobleman, that he... He, he secured his release from Petersburg. But he made, he asked the Alter Rebbe to do him a favor to come live in his province. So as a, and he said, I'm going to build for you whatever you want. So he built him a whole village there. He built him for, for the Hasidim, homes and stuff, and a big shul and everything. And that was in Liadi. And that was for the about, last about 12 years of the Alter Rebbe's life, 10, 10, some to, 10 to 12 years of his life. So in the Chanukah Sabayis, in Liadi, the Alter Rebbe said this mime, which is Mizmer Shir Chanukah Sabayis. In any case, and then they say again, after we say what the Malachim say, we say that the Holy Ones praise you. Who is that? That's referring to Allah Neshamis. It's referring to the Neshamis. We're holding in the end of Perak Aleph. No, no, you're right page. No, 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 no. Let's turn over the page. In the end of Perak Aleph, a couple of lines before the end. 
And the way we say it is we first speak about, we go from lower to higher. First the, the song of the Malachim, and then the song, the song of the angels, and then the song of the... First, the song of the Malachim, the, 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 the sanctification of the Malachim. They exist in time and space, or in space and in time. How do we know they also exist in, in time? Since he has proven earlier that they have space, as the Gemara says, speaks of their physical size. The distance of 500 years, Ushlisha Oilam or a third of the world, Harem Gam came Ibchinazman, so they also exist within the time frame. Shahamakim Bazman, Shneem Em Nivraim, because time and space are inseparable. Both of them are created, Bibchinas Echod, in one level, in one in one one in. Wherever there is space, there is time. Wherever there is time, there is space. The two of them go together. Elchain Yeshlam Ace Kavua Loy Mashira Kiyadua. And that's why they have a set time that they say shira. Which isn't the case of the souls. The shamas don't have time and space. And that's why it says, Every day, the every day can mean it's still within a time. It's every day they sing. When we say, Always, they praise you, which is always, and especially the next word, Selah. Selah means never stopping. The gam selah believe have sick without an interruption. And it's because the shamas don't exist in space and they don't exist in time. Why not? Because the shamas don't have bodies. They're pure spirit without any matter. And for that reason, as he explains now, even though they're always singing, no one ever heard their song because you can only hear a song if it has vibrations. So the malachim, more than I've got to mention, the song of the Malachim was even heard by Gentiles. The, 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 the army of Sancherev, they heard the song, Hashem made them open their ears, they can hear, they heard the song of the Malachim, and they died, how powerful it was. But you can hear it, because it, it has a sound. So that's why the Malachim are, so what is higher? The Shamas are really superior to the Malachim. If that's the case, why are the Malachim arguing? How is he the Malachim even in the first place arguing against Hashem? Who is man? When, when, when the Shamas are far superior to them. You understand the distance between someone that has a body, which means they're fixed and they have a limited container, and someone that has no container? The type of existence. So the Shamas are infinitely above them. So how dare they... Uh, disparage uh, the neshamas. The, 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 the How dare they dismiss the neshamas? The answer is they're not dismissing the neshamas. They're dismissing the human being down here. That's what they couldn't get. Neshamas? They're in awe of the neshamas. But neshamas, but in bodies? That's a whole different story. Because once a neshama is cast into a body, it becomes very constrained and very limited and then becomes really, really, really prone to do a lot of stupid things. And that's their problem. So why in the world are you doing that? But the malachim that said mo'enish, what is man already? Even though sheyadu, they knew shamaylus umadregis aneshamas. Even though they knew the quality of the neshamas umadregis aneshamas. 
is far superior to them. Keniskel, as we said earlier, im It's true. On Hashama, the way it is and the way it was and the way it whatever, it's taka doesn't have a slapshus. It doesn't have a body. It doesn't have a body at all. So that's okay. That they there they agree. But on a neshama coming down into a body in this world, Amru, on that they complained. And they said, What is this human? Once a person has a body, a person is prone or prepared in many ways, God forbid, to sin. The Alkane Amru, and that's why they said, when Hashem is giving the Torah, He wants it to be kept. He doesn't want it not to be kept. We will keep it. We will be the keepers of the Torah. We will do them and we will make sure not to do what you don't, what aggravates you. Give it to a human and you'll see. Everything you don't, don't like, he'll, he'll be interested in doing. That's like, uh, they, 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 they saw the humans as being very unfit for this job. It's like doing an interview and, and, and taking the most the least likely person to do the job well. I mean, it's ridiculous. Why are you doing that? That's why they argue the Torah should give it to them. Oh, now, you'll see. Obviously, Hashem wants the Torah to be performed in time and space. So obviously, I mean, the fact that God wants to give it down is because Hashem wants the Torah to be observed within time and space. So therefore, he wants to put it to the human. But then the Malachim said, well, we qualify too, because we also exist within time and space. Because they also have bodies. If it's a body that you want, so we'll, we'll, we also have bodies. But we have a body that is controllable. They have bodies that is uncontrollable. Or not uncontrollable, but as uh, a... Uh, They have a goof, and they have a nef. And their body is spiritual, at least compared to our bodies. And the answer of the Ebishter is, what does God answer? No. That the, the Malachim's don't qualify for the Torah for two reasons. Their spirit is not spiritual enough and their body is not coarse enough. So they don't, they don't make it on either test. In terms of refinement and elevation and spiritual capacity, they completely fail. They don't have anywhere close to the spiritual capacity to a soul that a neshama has. On the other hand, their bodies, which is their groundedness in time and space, is way too subtle and way too minimal compared to the human being whose body is deeply entrenched in time and space. And very constricted. And in order for the Torah to, to, 
to be actualized, we need these two powers. We need an unlimited spirit and we need a very coarse body. And this unlimited, most refined and, de- and, and elevated spirit should work with the coarsest of bodies and observe the Torah like that. And only then is it fulfilling for what the Ebershter de- designed and what God wants from the Torah. That's the basic idea that he's going to explain. But my love having a human body, but that's because we, we also have a human soul. And our human soul can handle a human body. And not only can it handle a human body, it can bring the body to a submission to God. And we know one thing, that if the angels ever try to put on one of our bodies, when angels try to wear a human body, they failed miserably. They became the most corrupted of the corrupt of the corrupt. These were the Nephilim. The Nephilim were the few malachim that God said, you're chapitening zuch with man, you're, you're teasing the human, let me see how you will do. And Hashem sent them into human bodies. And they became the most corrupt and they corrupted everybody else. So they can't handle a human body. The reason they can't handle a human body is because they're not spiritual enough. Only those that are very, very high are capable of going very, very low. It's like, you know, you come to a horseback riding. So they ask you right away, you know, as a group coming, he says, who, who has ridden before? You know, who's got a little... Uh... So they, have the, they, know which, they know who to peer up with which horse. When you have a gazunt affair, the guy who's like, oh, this, you need someone who knows a little bit. You know? Someone who's a new rider, they think, you, know, you can't put him on a horse like that. So you have to find them, you know, a very quiet little pony, you know, that's going to behave really nice. So malachim, they can only handle a little bit of a body. The, the, the neshamis are able, they're, because their connection to Hashem is so strong, they can deal with a very, very, um, a very, a, a very coarse body and rein it in as well into the service of Hashem. And this is going to explain. The answer of the Ebersh we need to dafka have a neshama, which a neshama comes from the inner dimension of the worlds. Which means within the worlds itself, the neshamas come from the most deepest, sublime levels. Which the neshama on its own is removed from any, from, the, from a, a substance and a coarseness of the body completely. We said before, neshamas don't have any whatsoever chomer, no, 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 no physical matter at all. And that that neshama should peer up and go down, beguv gashmi, into a physical body, mamish. Not like the malachim's bodies. It should go down into real chunky bodies. And only through this will Hashem have a home in the lowest world. Because the malachim can create for God a home, but it would be in, in a higher realm, not in the lowest world, because they don't have such low bodies. And if, when that will happen, it won't even be a home, because he's not interested in a home there. He wants a home in the lowest. This is, I told you, 
This mimer has a connection to Parshas Bereshis. He says, look at the mimer in Torah Oyer, Vayetzer Hashem Alakim Adam, which is one of the mimerim in Parshas Bereshis, where he explains the dichotomy of the human being. How the human being is both the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. And you find this also by the Beis HaMikdash. You take a look at the Beis HaMikdash, the actual home for Hashem. Where did we create a home? In the Beis HaMikdash. What was the Beis HaMikdash made out of? Dafka physical things. Not from Ruchnius. Beis HaMikdash was created from Gashmius. And Dafka in that lowest of substances, there was a revelation from what is beyond the whole world. From that which is beyond the whole evolving order of spiritual lights. Meaning to say what is not revealed in the higher realms. That was the higher realms is revealed hishtalshalus lights, contracted revelations of God, but not what is beyond it all. And dafka down here is revealed the highest of the high. Look at the second Mizmoy Shir, he tells you, which is the next Mimer, as I told you, there's two Mizmoy Shirs. Why is there two Mizmoy Shirs? Because Mizmoy Shir, we're going to see soon, means two times song. Mizmoy means song, Shir means song. So there's two Mizmoy Shirs for the two, two songs. That's my Pidush. That doesn't necessarily mean. So now when the Beis HaMikdash was built, Oz Nemar, then it says, then, oh, so when the Beis HaMikdash was built, which is what proved, what did it prove? What did the Beis HaMikdash prove? The Mila of, the quality of the Neshamas, that only they can make a home for God. Because to make a, a home for, for, for Hashem, you need to have very coarse material and very, very, very high spiritual capacity. It's only in this unique combination. We'll soon see what is the... We'll soon see, he's now going to explain, what is the mila, what is the quality of the spiritual service that happened in the Beis Amigdash that's coming mitzad the neshama. In other words, that only the neshama is capable of, malachim are not capable of. He's going to show us which is what creates and makes the Beis Amigdash. But, but all of that happens we're in a physical setting. So he's going to explain that the Beis HaMikdash is a very unique combination. We come there with our bodies. We don't send our neshamas there. We drag along our bodies. Actually, when we come, we spoke on Shabbos morning shir. Those, no one was here by the Shabbos morning shir. But by the Shabbos morning shir this past week, we were talking that it's called Euler Regel. Your feet are rising. Why, why are you talking about the feet? Your head is coming. No, because the main avoid was to bring your feet, to bring your animal soul, to bring your lowest parts of your being to the Beis HaMikdash. Why? Because the Beis HaMikdash was also physical. It was made up from the lowest materials. But at the same time, oile, you have an aliyah, the highest elevation. It's the highest kind of a service, higher than the malachim. Expressed we're in a physical body. What, so what is that unique combination? What takes place in the Beis HaMikdash? And because of that deep avoid, it causes Hashra Sashchina. It's that unique impossible combination of the lowest materials being, being um, 
facilitating the highest devotion and connection and commitment and an integration, if we can say, of beings with Hashem. The highest assimilation. And where does it take place? In the base of English. And that's where the Shekhinah dwells. And when that happened, when we could accomplish that, then the Malachim went, wow, I'm sorry. Unbelievable. We couldn't do that. They finally admitted, and that's why David HaMelech says, my enemies didn't win. The enemies of mankind, the Malachim. Of course, we're holding. It says, It says, Make for me a base of and I will dwell amongst them. So the Shail over here is an interesting thing. Where does the Abishta dwell? Where does Hashem dwell? Does Hashem dwell in the base of Migdash? Pashtas, that's Hashem's home, the base of Migdash. But then why does it say, Make me a base of Migdash and I will dwell in it? It doesn't say that. It says, Make me a base of Migdash and I will dwell in them. The answer is, where does Hashem dwell? Hashem dwells in every single one of us. Hashem dwells in our hearts, in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. But when will the Eberster dwell in each and every one of us? When does he dwell inside of us? When does he pervade our consciousness? We're soon going to see. Literally, the Eberster pervades the consciousness of a Yid when the Beis Amigdash was standing in an unbelievable way, especially by the time of Aliyah Laregel. We're suddenly filled, our entire awareness is filled with the powerful revelation of God's presence. Vishachanti, he's literally dwelling there. We lose all sense of self and we only feel him. We'll soon see how that happened. But when did that happen? Only when we had a physical structure. Until we didn't build that physical structure of bricks and mortar and stones, we didn't have that Wi-Fi, it didn't beam into us. It's strange. You're talking about Eberster, you're talking about Neshamas, what does it have to do with a physical structure? You need a physical, physical tower. That's the way it is. It doesn't say I will dwell in it. in them. The Shechina dwelled amongst the Yidin, Atzmam, in them. But nevertheless, you had to build a structure of wood and stones. Through this physical building, the Shechina will dwell amongst the Jewish people. And now, how about now that there's no Beis HaMikdash? Mishachara Beis HaMikdash, when there's no Beis HaMikdash, Nespashta HaKedusha Bechol Beis HaKneses U Beis HaMidrash. The Kedusha expands into every shul, and into every yeshiva, into every study hall, every davening place, every place that's set for prayer, there is, that serves as a Wi-Fi. In other words, you, you, you can daven at home, you can do your home, you know. But there's another thing about coming to a shul, because there's something that's there. God dwells there in the shul, or in the yeshiva, or in the study hall. And when you go there and pray there, as we're soon going to see, your soul is illuminated with some greater awareness of Hashem than if you try to do it yourself. 
Kamashakasim, as it says, Migdosh Ma'at. I will be for them for a small base of English. If you remember, a couple of months ago, Parshas Truma of last year, I spoke about this whole idea of Hashem being in all the shuls. And then there's one central shul that speaks about base Rabbeinu Shebebavel, where the main Shechina dwells. Anyways. Well, is that to understand this Tzarech Lahavins. Understand what's this idea? Why do you need a physical place and then the Ebershter reveals himself into the Neshama? So to understand this, let's first understand what's the, what's the idea that the Ebershter reveals himself in your Neshama? What does that mean? So Lahavins, that Tzarech Lahavins, in Yenashra Sashchina. What does Bechlaun mean that God dwells somewhere? Mahi, what does it mean? The dwelling of the Shechina. We say, In Musaf, we kept on saying it the whole month of Tishrei. On Rosh Hashanah, then on Yom Kippur, and then on Sukkot. Every day that we dive into Musaf, we're going to say it next week again, Rosh Chodesh. I'm not sure we're saying exactly those words. No, Rosh Chodesh, we say it a little differently. But we, we say, We're not able to go up and to see God. Can't see the base Hamikdash. Can't see Hashem. We can't bow down before you. So he's asking a simple question. We can't go up. That we understand. The hand that was sent that destroyed the base Hamikdash. We can't go there today. Leroy's. If we can't go, we can't see it. We can't see it. We can't go. But why can't we bow? Oh, we can't bow there. Yeah, but who says you have to bow there? Bow anywhere. What's bowing? Bowing is your submission to God. God is everywhere. He'll say, to see, the reason of going was to see. That was a place where God was visible. Oh, God made himself be seen there. Therefore, if that's the place where God can be seen, we can't go up and see. That we can't. But bowing, bow, bowing, bowing your own house. What's Bow. Wherever you are. Hashem is everywhere. Why are we saying we can't bow? Why aren't we able to? To go up and to see that we can't. Because there is a hand that has been destroyed. But the bowing. We can bow before the Ebishter everywhere. As we say, we kneel and we bow down. So why do we dafke need a base amigdash for this? And we, we actually say, we bow down. So it must be that there's, it means something deeper. There's two types of bowing. Of course, Bowing on the most simplest of levels, we can do anywhere. You can bow. Bow down to Hashem wherever you are. Look at these restrictions. You're not supposed to actually get down on the floor and bow. We only do it in Yom Kippur. And even then, we don't go all the way down flat. We go like kneeling. But, but, well, that kind of bow, and when we say that's called an external bowing. And even if you're not just doing an external movement, of getting down on the floor, of kneeling and bowing, but you're actually submitting yourself because that's what the meaning of bowing means. Bowing means a submission. 
even if you're submitting, it's still considered an external bowing. Because it's an external submission. Why is it an external submission? Because you're only submitting your behavior. You're not submitting your very identity, your very being. You're surrendering to God and saying, when you're, when you're really doing it, you're bowing down, means you're saying, God, you're the boss. Okay, it's going to be your way. Last year, I know, I sometimes violated your will. But this year, it's a form of tshuva, Yom Kippur, when we bow. It's, it's a form of, you know, I just confessed. We're not doing that anymore. What am I doing? I'm bowing to your will. I'm going to listen to you. Submission. A servant bows down to the king means you're the boss. But that doesn't mean that I don't have conflict. Doesn't mean that inwardly I might be really, really, really upset. A servant can be bowing down and cursing at the time and thinking to himself, God, you know, I don't want to do this, but I have no choice. You're the boss. Or it says in the other mind, the, 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 the servant can go down and while he's serving, he can be thinking about his indulgences of who knows what. He's bowed. Yeah, he, or he says, in the other mimer, he says, or a minute after he gets up and he's submitting now, he can forget his submission and do something quietly the king doesn't see, illegal, something against the rules. Even if he didn't mean it seriously while he was bowing. Because the bowing is, is only reflecting an external kind of a submission. Then there's another kind of a bowing. When one senses the power and the majesty and the greatness of the king in such an amazing way that you completely dissolve in his presence to the point that you can't imagine, you don't have, you lose all, all awareness of self in the, in the presence of such greatness. You have no desire of self. All your desires are knocked out. It's hard to imagine that by a human king. People had that with big tzaddikim, that they, they gave themselves over to serve the tzaddik to the point that there's no desire. Not, not their wives, not their children, not their lives, not their financial, nothing mattered to them. The only thing was to fulfill the ratzin of the tzaddik, of a rebbe or something like that. Gave themselves over completely. Your will is my will. I have no will. Canceled every sense of, of desire of personal want in the face of such greatness. That's a deeper, that's the real meaning of bowing. Bowing means I don't exist in your presence. You are and I'm just a channel for your will. Whatever you want is going to be. That kind of bowing we're not capable of doing only when we're in the base Amitash. As he's going to explain. There's two types of bowing. What does bowing mean? That one is nullifying and surrendering himself in front of the Abish. Like a person is mavatal himself in front of a king. And he accepts upon himself to serve him and to listen to his voice. There is a bowing that's external. One is submitting his body not to rebel. But the main desire and pnimius of his soul, but internally is not completely null. He still has a 
desire of his own. And he has a, 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 another desire, and another thought, in a, on, on, onto his own, meaning an independent desire and want. Zulas besides the the bowing, the, 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 the submission. It's like you can bow in Yom Kippur and be thinking, oh my, like, oh, so we're going to go eat while you're bowing. So you're still thinking about your food, about your want, and so on and so forth. A real deep bowing, what the what, what Mishnah says in Pirkei Yavis, nullify your will, before his will. You don't have any other desire. Like a child that has so devoted to his father that he's considered the feet of his father. It's extension of the father. My entire existence is to be a foot for my father. That my father's will, obviously there has to be a very good parent-child relationship over here. For a child to be, who's, we're wondering who are those kids that we're talking about over here. That brok haradavi, that the child is only the leg of the father. Shaharegali betela mamish. The foot, the, the foot is, is, is completely nullified to the, to the person. It's not like your, your limbs or your organs don't have their own desires that you have to like and force them to do your will. Whatever you want, that's your foot's desire. Your foot knows its entire existence is to be execute your will. That's it. That's what we mean. Bowing of the soul. And such a bowing. This is why they went three regalim. And maybe that's why it's called regalim. Because they, 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 they became like feet. When they went to the base of Mingus, they became like the Abishter's feet. They went up there and they saw. That's why, what's the whole point of going there? Ria to see. When they saw godliness... Two things happened, and here, here's, I'm going to fill in a little bit from the Mittler Rebbe's version. The Mittler Rebbe's mimer in, his, in the Siddur, he says that when a Yid came to the Beis Hamikdash to see God, God, it says, it's just like we came to see, we came to be seen. So what does it mean to be seen? When we're seeing, Hashem is also looking at us. Now He sees us all the time. But over here it means that when we came to see Him, he would like go out to see us. It's like a king who someone comes to see him, a visitor, he steps out of his private chamber to meet, he goes into the audience room to meet this person. So he reveals himself to him. God coming out to meet us meant an individual revelation of Hashem to this person. Now the concealed of the concealed, God that is concealed, unknown, that we hear about, know about, we don't feel him, see him, was actually made himself visible to that neshama. And when that happened, there was such a powerful projection of truth, of light in that person's neshama that you totally, it knocked your socks off completely. You had zero sense of self and suddenly you melted, literally melted. Like he says later, like a little flame getting next to a big fire. The flame just joins in the big fire and it becomes identityless as an individual flame. Your neshama dissolved from being a being, and you were lost only in the greater project of what God wants. And obviously, in how I can facilitate that desire in my own way, but it was all about God, it wasn't about me at all. And that's what I felt. 
I felt Shabbos, Tfilin, Dira Betachtoinim, Torah. These desires were felt in my neshama so convincingly, not even, not even as my desire to do them, but rather as God's desire. And that's it. We're going to be like this after Mashiach comes. Listen to last night's class I gave. It's on, called Var Malchus. I gave. It's on YouTube. In any case, uh, when we spoke last night, that it says when Mashiach will come, there won't be mitzvahs anymore. How does it, that seems to be totally contradiction into the nitzchias of Torah. Torah is going to be forever. Mitzvah. So the Rebbe explains, it's the Rebbe explains it's not a mitzvah, because we're not going to experience ourselves anymore as someone other that needs to be commanded. It, it, it's just going to be, these, these, these are godly ways. And if you are one with God, then you behave in a godly way. This is you, because this is Him. It's, it's not like a commandment that we are commanded to do. We will be this way because of our oneness with Him. So mitzvahs will, Torah will continue, observance will continue, but not as a mitzvah, not as a commandment. Because we will cease to be separate from Him. So we can't be commanded. When we came to the Beis Amigdash, we were in that state, dissolved completely into the Ebersht. How long did, and, and, and this had such an impact that it lasted for a couple of months. After a couple of months, we needed to go back to get a, another another dosage of truth, of reality. Because after all, we're living in a world and the physical world is obscuring and blocking. It would wear off. Like when you go to the dentist, the shot that you got wears off after a couple of hours. Here it would last for a couple of months. The bittel. And then we would go back. Three times a year was enough to keep us in bittel mode all year long. And here's the beauty. Only neshamis are capable of losing themselves completely in God. And yet still be. Malachim can't do that. Malachim will always have a will, a desire of their own. They want very much to serve Him. They want to get close, but there always remains something else. They will never reach a level of battle ratzon, no ratzon, only God's ratzon. Because if they reach a point where there's no ratzon, then they're obliterated. They don't exist anymore. The reason is, because malachim are not him. Malachim are really creations. We're called children. They're not called children. What's a child? A child is the, is the parent in another body. That's a child. It's an extension of the parent. So they're really, child is still the continuation of the parent. Malachim are already new creations. They're created to be beings. If they cross the barrier of, 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 and of, of this, of self-awareness, and cease to have self-awareness completely, to the point that they have no desires at all, because they've now melted into God's desire, then they don't exist anymore. Then they cross the barrier of their existence, of their creation. They cease to be a creation, they cease to exist. Then it's just melted into Hashem. All there is is God. Nishamis are unique. Nishamis, because we're children of the Abishter, we're able to be a flame that becomes dissolved in the bigger fire, and yet we can step out of it and still be a flame. We can be and not be at the same time. Nishamis, Malachim don't have that. But here's the beautiful thing. Nishamis up there can do it all the time. They're in a constant state of this. The beautiful thing is that, we can, that the Jewish people have the ability to reach such oneness, such integration, such assimilation and uh, you call it sub, 
being completely subsumed in Hashem's truth, assimilated into Him and become so one with Him and sense His unity and nullify to His will completely and do it with their chunky bodies. As long as we have a base on English. So we come to the base of English, we can feel Hashem in the physical, and that means that God is dwelling. Dwelling means He's fully revealed and manifest in the physical world. His will is completely revealed, despite the fact that there is a physical body and a physical container, which is the most naturally separated, disconnected from Him, Yet, because the neshama is so powerful, and especially when there is a Beis Hamikdash and there is that Wi-Fi connection that takes place, especially when we go into the Beis Hamikdash and God beams His Himself into our souls, we become completely melted into Him. We don't die; we just accept joyfully that He is, and there's none but Him. And His will is, the, is, is our only will. And we can do that while we have physical hearts and minds and bodies and limbs and live completely devoted to that mission. And that's the whole purpose of creation. So the Malachim don't have it on two ends. They, they don't, even in their spiritual, they can't have such a bittle. And on the other hand, they definitely can't do it with a physical body because if they come into a physical body, they go completely off the deep end and become completely separated and their personal egos and desires would override them completely. That's the beauty of being a Jew. The, and so let's read it over here. And this bowing, over there was the revelation of the Shekhinah. Pidishchina, what does it mean? Shechina, Masha Shechem, Betachtainim, is the Abish to dwell, dwells. What does it mean, dwell? Bepchina's Giloi, that God is revealed even in this physical, crusty world. The Kutchabrichu Kadesh Umuvdal, that's the opposite of Shechina. Kadesh Baruchu means Kadesh, removed, not expressed, not revealed, separated, up there. But Shechina means dwell, that HaKadesh, dwelling, revealed, Shochen down here. Shayadeza, through this Kalan Hashamas Mizbatlim, through this all, through this revelation of the Abish to being revealed, it causes the Nishamis to be nullified, kener vuka, like a candle before a big blazing fire. Pidish, what does that mean? When you have a big fire, a very big blaze, as a kol ner yechidi, so that each individual lamp, that is, burning next to this big blaze. Its light goes and becomes absorbed in the light of this big torch. And it becomes totally one. And this is the meaning. Do not see my face empty-handed. Just like you're coming to see so what does he mean exactly? This means don't see my face empty-handed. So I'm not exactly sure what he means and I try to get, how does that fit into this Indian? Maybe it means don't see my face and remain empty from me. Meaning don't see my face 
and remain separate from me. Reikam being remaining reik. When you see my face, dissolve in me. Bring me something. Dissolve in me. Maybe it brings the carbon. That's that's the carbon. You're bringing a carbon. You're sacrificing. You're you're melting. You're, you're sacrificing your desire to Hashem. Again, it's not clear. And I looked at all the other two ver- other two versions, and I and I couldn't chapsach exactly what what this line is adding to it. But maybe I, uh, uh, you know. But just like you came to see, what does this mean? There was a revelation of Panai, of the Abishta's face. Uksiv Panai, it says his face. Panai means two things. It means you're seeing the Panimius of Elokos. So what is that? Not only the Mamalakalam, you're seeing Mamalakalam, you're seeing the, the dwelling, the indwelling light of God that dwells within the world, which is what? The limited element of the divine that is invested in nature, invested in the, which that light, which that revelation of God is powerful, but it doesn't completely de- de- nullify us. It doesn't completely dis- knock out any bit of our identity because the whole union of the Malakalman is to serve as a source for us, to, sur- to serve as a source. For for, for for the creations and for the definitions of the creations. And therefore, even though he is the power of everything, but since he's empowering everything, it still leaves room for us to have somewhat of an importance. The next level, since it says, Panai, my panemius means the inner dimension of Elokos. That's the Soiv of Kalaman. Soiv of Kalaman is the Hashem that's not adjusting himself. Hashem as he's purely infinite. Oh, on that level, all the worlds, and, all, and definitely us tiny little peepsqueaks, have zero significance and meaning. And when that is revealed, and we can sense that truth and that light in our neshama, it, 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 it completely overwhelms us to the point that we don't, that we don't have any more in a, in any sense of independent self. We're just completely an expression of God. And devoted only to his will. We're cancelled from our existence. You're not only seeing the Shechina, you're seeing even the the Hakadish Baruch, which means the transcendental, infinite dimensions of God, which are being expressed in the Shechina because they're that unity which happens in the Mishkan. The Mishkan is the place where there is the Yichud, the, 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 the marriage of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Shechina. So it's not only Shechina that's revealed, it's also HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And both of those dimensions, that's called Panai, is being revealed in the Yitz Neshama. When that happens, that's why it says also, it says Panai Loshin Rabim, two levels of Panimias. Like he explained. Va'oid, and another dimension. That it wasn't a uniform revelation. The reason why it says Panai, another reason why it says Panai in the plural it says, Pani, Panim, Panim Shali, whatever. It says, Panai, which is a lotion of my faces, is because it wasn't a uniform revelation. It wasn't one, one, one revelation to everybody. Every neshama was revealed differently, the way that neshama can handle it, the way it's unique to that soul. Because as I said earlier from the Mimer, it wasn't that God was coming to out to see the Jewish people. And you happened to be one little, one little yid. The, 
he says in the Mimer, like when a servant comes, the king goes out to see him. It's individualized. If you look by the Fabrengen sometimes, I love them. You watch the Rebbe, he's, he's saying L'chaim. So, like you ask sometimes Rebbe, they go, L'chaim, L'chaim, Toivim, L'chaim. You watch the Rebbe by the Fabrengen. He, he's looking at every single person. He's, he's, he's locking eyes with everybody. Individual. So on the go down to the mice, the Abishter comes out to meet every yid in the base of Migdash individually. She ordered the lay according to his own measure. Received this revelation. When they would go up to the base of Migdash. Everybody is chayev. Everybody is obligated to this. The faces of Avaya. Everybody had the revelation according to his stature. Now the main reason of the seeing wasn't the seeing. It was when you came to the Beis Hamikdash, you came to be the mitzvah of Riyas, the mitzvah to be seen and see. The main thing was to go there and bow down. Because it's how did this vision impact you? It's not about the seeing. It's not about the spiritual eye. It's about how is it impacting you in terms of nullifying one's will and causing you to dissolve in God's truth and therefore be a good Jew to exercise Hashem's will in this world through Torah and mitzvahs all year long. is the bowing. When one bow down and left. You have to bring something. I don't know, again, he, uh, this, this little parenthesis, I didn't have what he wants. And from these three regalim, this left a, la- a lasting impact that one is able to receive this ability to bow down, meaning not just to sur- surrender to God forcefully, but to surrender in a deep pneumius to go away. That this should last all year long. Because from every regal and every yomtiv, the bitl lasted until the next yomtiv. Wow. So let's see what we're missing. We don't realize what we're missing. And when the Beis Amigdosh was destroyed, and you realize that the bitl impacted them so much, he doesn't say it over here, that they became so nullified that they didn't take up even space. Because that's why when they bowed, they, were, they suddenly had all, there was, there was no squish. Basically, was so squished, but when they bowed, there was no squish. And that's because they, they, they ceased to be beings. They became so bottled that even physically there was no squish. In Meshachar of Beis Amikdash, when the Beis Amikdash was destroyed, even though we're not able to bow down, a little bit of this was nispashit, in the small base of Midrash. A little bit of it is, tra- is captured in every shul. That what? Are we able to have such a bittle? No. Yeah, not, not like in the base of Midrash that it was like, Wow, but if you try hard during davening in a shul, you can access this somewhat of God's light can shine in your neshama, and you can have some degree of bittel. 
If I had a b'shas at the time of davening, and a person cleaves to his maker, and he desires to nullify himself, even if he doesn't have this powerful automatic bitl, but at least you want it, and in that wanting somewhat, the Abishter makes himself visible that the mitl is real. Towards the king, the king of the world. Everybody according to his... It's interesting, the Alter Rebbe said it when he was inaugurating his shul. The Alter Rebbe was being mamshech, that Beis into his shul. Because we, we learned in the Mimer that where is the main dwelling of the Shechina? In Beis Rabbeinu Sheba Babel, and the leader of the Jewish people, in the Nasi. Where he is, that's the main Wi-Fi, the main place where the Shechina is. The Alter Rebbe was saying this Mimer about that Indian while he was inaugurating his shul. It's amazing. To some people, it's more external. What do we mean external? That by davening well in a shul, they, it impacts them, but more externally means that they might have more conflict internally with their Yiddishkeit, but at least externally they can achieve a submission. That I'm going to do what God's will, even if I, even if I don't feel in, inwardly that I, even if this is not my only desire, but I'm going to overcome my desire to do what Hashem wants. Metzadah which means I'm forcing myself. I'm, I'm compelling myself to do God's will. Or to many, or if one has a more edel and neshama, or, or tries harder, or whatever it is, one can merit, or it's an ace rotsen, to experience a deeper bitl even today, in which it impacts us in our inside as well. If it ain't philosophy, and the tefillah of a person can, is, Chazal say, is not heard only when you're davening in shul. Even without a minion. If you just, it says that you should daven in a shul. If you can't make it to a minion, go to a shul and daven anyways. Because the shul has a shul, and there's more Wi-Fi beaming of God's presence in a shul. You can, you can achieve a deeper connection to Hashem in that place than you can do it in your own, own living room. Because it's the hispashtus of the dwelling of the shechina that's there. And therefore we also say, when there's 10 people together, 10 Jews together. And then you can say holy things. When there's 10, because when there's 10 Jews together, even if it's not a shul, the shechina dwells there. Now if it's 10 in a shul, it's even stronger, because the place is also designated for it. The source of our neshamas. Why is it so powerful? Because our neshamas are like a little flame next to our source. So when there's 10 Jews together, the source of neshamas, since it's 10, is, is revealed then, and we can sense more that, that bigger flame, as we said, the bigger blaze, in which causes us to have more bitl. That brings you to a bowing, and a nullification, like a candle in front of a big fire. But only neshamas. Oh, now by the way, here he doesn't say it so much. But in another, in the in the in the Ramosha's version, remember the other version in Tafkov Samach Vav, from Ramosha he says that. So what's the difference between a Beis Hamikdash and a private shul? He says in the Beis Hamikdash, it's all it's the entire Shechina was revealed there. So because it's the entire Shechina, it was a much powerful the Wi-Fi signal was extremely powerful. And when you walked in there, it hit you much stronger. 
But in Ishul, he says it's only a chilek of the Shechina. It's only a part of the Shechina. Why? Because it's only a part of the Jewish people coming to that Shul. Since it's in the Beis Amish, it was the Grand Central Synagogue. Everybody came in. So the entire Shechina was there. But in an individual Shul, only part of the Shechina is. A, a gilui prati of the Shechina. So therefore, it's less impactful. That's why the Rebbe says, that's the reason why the main dwelling of the Shechina during Golos is in one place, in, like the Gemara says, in base Rabbeinu Sheba Bavel. Why? Because since he's the Nasi, so he includes in his Neshama all the Neshamas of all the Jewish people. He's the, he's the Neshama Kaleles. So therefore in his shul there is a much greater presence of the Shechina. That's why Chassidim want to go to the Rebbe's shul, 770 for Yom Tiv, this and that, because it's powerful. That's where there's a much greater a Wi-Fi signal. Uh, but only Nishamas have this type of a bitl. Meaning to become completely joined in God. They become totally unified. When you put a little candle into a, into a big fire, let's, let's analyze it for a second. Does the candle flame exist? Yes and no. No, because there's no candle. It's just a big fire. But yes, because this little flame is there. It's just there included in a much bigger fire, but it's there. It's still burning on the wick. If you're holding the wick in there, it's still in the fire that's outside is there, but it's the space on how big the flame is. But it's there in something much bigger and lost in something much bigger. That's the uniqueness of an Ishama. We can exist and not be. We can be part of something much bigger than ourselves and yet be. Malachim, it says, when God reveals himself to them and they dissolve, it says it's a punishment. Hashem punished the Malachim. He stuck his pinky into them and they got burnt up. Because the moment they reach this level, they, 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 they don't exist anymore. They're destroyed from their kalim because their kalim can't handle only neshamas can go out of their keli completely. Because why? Because in our source, we don't have any keli. So we can, because of that, we can be go, we can become nullified. Even, but the chiddush is, we can do it even when we're in a body. And the body doesn't, doesn't, uh, since the neshama and the body are not intrinsically one, it can do it. Over there, the, the, the malachim and the neshama, they, 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 they're one with their hagabala, with their limitations. Um, because they can separate from the psila, from the wick, and they can become absorbed. Because the shechina is knesses yisrael, she's the source of our neshamas, and we are her children, and only a child can be so identified with their parent. See, a servant, if he's so devoted to his master, he has no self. He doesn't feel joy because he has no self. A child can be devoted to the father's interests and be so happy doing it because his identity is his father. His pride is his father's pride. His, 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 his pleasure is his father's pleasure.
to take it even a little more subtle, I just recently read something in, in, in the Sefer, a beer in Chasidus, very geschmack. If a servant is devoted to his master 100%, and his master is, and his master is cold, and he wants a hatit, a hati, and the servant brings his master a hati, and the master drinks the tea and he's very satisfied. So there's a few levels of servants. There is a level of a servant where he's just so angry because he wants to go back to his Xbox and play his Nintendo game. And now he's making him crazy like uh, it says by Big Son and Seresh that they couldn't stand that Achashverosh was always asking for drinks uh, while he was with Esther. So that's why they wanted to kill him because he was a, we wanted the constant bar service. He wanted room service uh, the whole time. And they, you know, he said, this, this is crazy. They were annoyed because they were busy doing whatever they were doing. So that's one type of servant. Then there's a better servant. What's the better servant? The better servant is that he's devoted and he really, and he can even delight in the fact that the master is happy. So when he was able to satisfy his master, he feels pleasure. That's a devoted servant. But then there's a child and a good child. The difference between this, the servant could be happy that my master is satisfied. But the servant doesn't feel warm because his master is now warmed. The child feels warm because his father is warm now. He's drinking hot tea. The child delights in the pleasure of the warmth because the child is an extension of the father. So the father feels warm in the hot tea. The child also delights in that warmth. The servant doesn't have the pleasure. The servant fulfilled the will, not the pleasure because he can't identify with the pleasure. If he wants a cold water and he's ah, the child feels the satisfaction of the cold water. Ah, the servant doesn't feel how devoted he is. For that you have to be one and only then that's what a yid is able to. He can delight in the Eberster's Tainug. That's total assimilation. They're separated. Because they're already fixed in a keli. That limits. Especially when they come down in bodies, then they collapse completely. And these are the nefilim. Now we'll take a break. Yossi ran away right before the break. And, we'll, and we're just going to finish. It's very, very quick, the next piece. This is our All of Yiddishkeit for this Mayama.
hiding everybody's shit. But I wasn't telling them. So now we conclude here. Peregimel. Now, in order for there to be the hashra of the shechina in the base hamikdash, Hashem Omar Lishkain, Hashem said to dwell in a in a house. What he means over here is, Pepashtus. How can Hashem, who is infinite and boundless, reveal Himself in a 
physical setting. Obviously, it's a very big descent on God's end. That's what he wants. He wants to reveal himself down here. And we're the only ones who can receive him and accept his true oneness and, and exclusivity as being the, and therefore melt into him and do his will. So this is only Shaykh Tanishma Sisrael, fine. We do it in, with our bodies, in this physical world, around the physical base of but how can that happen? So David HaMelech prepared this song, and not just a song, but he prepared the, what's called the Chanukah Sabayis. Chanukah Sabayis is the inauguration, the dedication, the inauguration, the dedication of the Sabayis. He's going to explain what's the idea of having an inauguration for anything, particularly inauguration for something, a house, or what's the idea of making this Chanukah? He says like this, um, it's similar, it comes from the word chinuch. Chinuch means to educate. And it's compared to the way we educate a child. When we educate a child, we begin the education process. We take the child to school. The first day a kid goes to school, it's a very, very big change in the kid's life and their whole mode of existence. Till now, they ran around careless. Now they're going to have to sit in a chair, learn and study and be part of a greater group and, and then and, and, and be disciplined and behave and, 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 and uh, work hard. And this great change, in order to make such a change in a child, in, in, a, in a human life, you need to have an extra energy to do that, an extra empowerment. The child basically has to do it really, 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 really willfully. If the kid doesn't do it willfully, if he doesn't have a, a big opening in his soul, in his being, for this change, means you can't force it. There has to be a strong, willful desire for it. So that's what the whole idea of doing a chinuch is that the first day a kid went to school, it would come along with a lot of candy. And the family would all go, and so it's a minute, you bring a kid to cheder, the Rebbe puts... Uh, honey on the letters and, the, and all the kids come and the malach and they, they throw candies and they say that the malach is the one who's throwing the candies, the angel. And the, the, the kid gets all these prizes and the attention and the love and his father and his mother comes and his brothers and his sisters and his family but he's taking pictures and videos and he's the whole baba. He thinks going to school is going to be like that every day. Then the next day he's on a school bus in Fartik. You know? The point over here is that he should, he should have a desire to do something, to make this unusual change. That's the idea. The, the Mitla Rebbe takes the example even further. He says, when it's even more so when a girl is going to leave her father's house and she's going to go live with a strange man. I mean, she's getting married. And she didn't date him in the olden days. You know, it was all arranged shidduchim. You know, they, she maybe saw him once, you know. Spoke to him for, for seven and a half minutes. And they were already chassid and kala. So, you know, and then they have to suddenly leave her house and go lift this guy. So the first, in the beginning, the father, the parents come, they sit, they have coffee and this, and the house, they have a whole family, they make a whole... Kind of, and she wants her parents are there, support her, and so on and so forth. She's kind of got accustomed to be with her husband. And then when, after they leave, she's there already. She's, she, she accepted it already. So the same is also, he says, is when we did Chanukah HaMizbeach. That was the Chanukah HaMizbeach. We find when they dedicated the Mishkan, they brought all the Nasiya of the 12 tribes, each one of them brought a whole big package of gifts for, the, for, for Hashem, Karbanos. 
uh, a ton of oxen and sheep and lambs, and then they brought uh, things they never brought, silver trays and silver bowls filled with flour mixed with oil, gold spoons filled with ketores, and these special kabbanas, they all did the same thing, but it was like a huge gift. Twelve days. And it's called the Hanukkah Samishka. So what's the idea behind it? Every carbon you bring elicits a divine reaction, a godly, a godly, um, a godly response. There is the regular stuff that are going to be daily, the regular, and then there is the extraordinary stuff that they brought on this, on this, on these twelve days, which caused extraordinary godly revelation. What was the point of it? The Shekhinah is that child or that girl who has to leave her father's house, which is the higher abode. The Shekhinah is going to leave the spirits above, move into a physical here, earthy place. Like the little child who has to go into school, going away from his mother's home. The Shekhinah, which is Malchus, this little child, is going away from Chachman, the Bina, from the world of Atzilus, down over here. The only way she's going to go is if the first time she goes, her father and her mother and everybody comes along with her. Chachma comes and Bina comes and all these powerful revelations of Atzilus that were never in the Mishkan, but only on the first day, opening like, you know, moon bounce, cotton candy, free cotton candy, first day of school, and free hot dogs are being given out. So everybody's coming. Here it's not so much that everybody should come, it's that the, it's that the Shekhinah should be enticed to come down. She feels comfortable because the entire heavens are... She's, She's scared to come down to earth. But if the whole heaven is coming along with her, with the whole entourage, she's comfortable. They're going. They're all walking her towards. And that's why they made this big thing by the Hanukkah Samizbeach, the first time by the Mishkan. The same when David HaMelech was preparing for Shloim HaMelech, when he was going to inaugurate the Beis Amingdash, the same thing happened. They, it says Shloim HaMelech shechted 120,000 animals on one day. It was like unbelievable what was going on. And this was all to bring down unbelievable revelation from above. It's all to acclimate the Shekhinah to dwell in the Beis HaMikdash. And the next time it happened was after the Yavanim, the Greeks, desecrated the temple and caused the Shekhinah to depart in their desecration. So afterwards they came back in called Hanukkah and they rededicated. What did they have to do? Again, it's called a rededication it's called Hanukkah. And what do we do? We read the Karbanis of the Nesim, even though we're not bringing it physically. We read it every day of Hanukkah because we're causing, through the reading it, it's as if we brought it. And it's causing, again, these big, big lights to come down to rededicate ourselves because to bring the Shekhinah back down into the world during that time. They brought this idea of Hanukkah Sabayas. What's this Hanukkah? It's like education. Educate a child according to his way. When you educate a child to learn, you don't begin the first day with learning, you begin the first day with candy. Or a little bit of learning, but mainly, that's what's going to be all the time in school. The way we educate a child, we go on to the next page. With some kind of addition. By some kind of a closeness. We give him a gift. The same is also in the, in the 
Chanukah of the Beis Hamikdash or Mishkan and the Mishkan. There was something added to the carbon tamid, which is the daily stuff. Shnei kavasim kilchasam, the two sheep that are kilchasam all the time. Shabe Mishkan hisnadvu hanesiim par ben bakar, because the two in the Mishkan, the nesiim were the ones that offered an ox. And for the shlamim sacrifices. That's what they did by the time of the Mishkan. Shlomo Melech offered 120,000 sheep. These physical offerings elicited and brought down added lights, supernal lights. They descended together with the revelation of the Shechina. So not only will the Shechina herself go down, together with added lights, added revelations from above that are even higher than the Shechina, that went down with her. Look at the Hanukkah Mamar where the Altar explains this. Actually, it's not a Hanukkah Mamar, is is a parshas nasi maimer. In any case, in a parshas on the suyim of furish b'toyra carbon shall call nasi v'nasi. Now the parsha of the nesiim, he says, it's stated explicitly in the Torah the carbon of every of every prince of every head of a tribe. Zer carbon nachshon, zer carbon nesanel. This was the carbon of nachshon. The next one was the carbon of nesanel. Chulu ubekulam ksev, and by all of them it says ma hayu carbonoisa. What was their carbonoisa? Imayoyish kulam ekrivu beinyanechad. Even though they all brought the exact same carbon, it's Parshas Nasa was the longest parsha in the Torah because it has a repetition of the exact same gift, but it specifies it individually by each one. The Hevel should have said, so did the Sanel, so did the next, so did the next. That's it. Why do we have to state it twelve times if it was all equal? The idea is the reason why it was written for generations, it was known before God, that the Beis HaMikdash is going to be destroyed, and we're going to have to pay it up with our lips. Our lips is going to be considered as if we're offering. In other words, when we want to inaugurate today, how do we inaugurate? How do we? You're right. For then, it was enough that they did it, and the Torah could have just said, but the Torah wants to give us an opportunity to do it any other time when we want to once a year bring down all these lights to empower a Hanukkah time, to empower us, or Parshas uh, Nasai. We need a, a dedication to inaugurate, to start something new in our own Mishkans. So therefore, by reading it, it's as if we actually bring it down. Anybody that's Oisik Bateris Oila, Chulu. Like we do in Hanukkah. In your carbonus and a seal, the carbonus and a seal, the future of Hanukkah. And why talk do we do in a Hanukkah? Because Hanukkah requires a rededication. Then there was also the Hanukkah of the Mizbeach. Because the idol worshippers, then the, the pagans, uh, the Greeks, parts of Yud Gimel Pratzis, they, they um, uh, breached 13 breaches. They breached 13 places in the walls. And when the kingdom of the Hashmanon um, prevailed over them, Venatzcham, and they were victor and 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 were victorious over them. Hutzruchu lechinoch, they needed a, a education. Lachzer hakedusha liyoshna to bring the shechina back, because she got 
unaccustomed to dwelling down here. She left earth. She went back up there. Because at the time of their breaching, Nistalka, the Shechina departed. And when we read the parsha of the Nesiyim, Mam Shichim, we redrew, we redraw the Shechina should come down. Not just, but in order to bring the Shechina down, we got to bring her down with her whole, with all of her component. Component. When we're calling in the Torah, means we're calling God. That's the reason why we need to say it every day. Why do we need it? But hold on, why is it enough one day? What do you need 12? One time. The answer is because the Shechina, even though she's one Shechina, but she manifests, the whole gather of Shechina is that she acclimates herself to the creation. So the creation is set up based on 12, 12 months, 12, 12 days, 12, 12, 12, 12 uh, it's really, the, the 12 represent six directions and the diagonals that go to them. So therefore, the way the Shekhinah manifests itself is through 12, like, channels. That's why we find that um, the Merkava has 12 animals, 12, 12 cattle. There's three, three, th- f- four, three beasts on each one of the f- four sides. So, and, and, so what does that mean? So that means also that amongst the Jewish people, that the Shekhinah dwells amongst us, the Shekhinah doesn't dwell in each, in each and every one of us the same. In Shevet Ruvain, there's a unique dwelling in, of the Shekhinah in a Ruvain way. And in, and in Shevet, uh, whatever, uh, Naftali, it's a unique way that's Shaykh to Shevet Naftali. And that's why each one of them needed to bring down their chilek of the Shekhinah, that Shaykh to them, so that when they, what's the point of it? So that when they go to the Mishkan, they can dissolve into their, into their flame that suits their style of their soul. Uh, to all 12 Shvat. To bring the bit like, you know, I'll give you a simple example. You know, I can come into a shul if it's, and we're familiar with the songs and it's a type of thing, and then you, it can, and you can dissolve in the singing. But if you go into a Yemenite shul and you're not used to it, it might, it might be nice singing, but it's not going to dissolve. It's not going to have that impact to you because you're not Yemenite. But for Yemenite Jews, that's their song that they'll sing, and if they come and hear Ashkenazic singing, it's like, Ugh. What kind of davening is this? It doesn't, it doesn't inspire, it doesn't pull them in. So each shave, it had its also spiritual character. Like the Nerbif Nevuka, Sheyesh Yud Bez Avukas. There's 12 different styles of, of Avuka, meaning manifestations of Shechina, Keneged Yud Bez So we also know there's 12 permutations of Aleph, Dalet, Nun Yud, there's 12 permutations of Yud Kei Vavke, 12 months. Keneged Yud Bez Shvatim, Shakol Shevet. Who inyan avuka b'fnei Every shevet has its own avuka, its own uh, blaze. Balderach zeh b'kriyas yamsef. You find that by kriyas yamsef also nikra yamli yud beis gzarim. The sea split the twelve passageways. But they shakol shevet v'shevet. So every shevet b'silosa yechav, and everybody can go up in their pathway. Kol chad lefim shiurah dele. Everybody in their own path. That's why it also says by the karbanis by the nesiim in medrash rabba. I'll call carbon, shall call nasi, then every carbon, every nasi, even though they brought the exact same carbon, everybody had different intentions. 
Inyan vekavana bifnei atzmai. Every single one for the same, same gift had a complete different intention. Ein shom barichas gadol. Rashi, for instance, gives one one example of what they represent these karbanis. But each one had different intentions. Why they brought these three oxen and through these three. In a pidish mizmashir. So this is the idea of Chanukah. So bias. This is, in other words, we know what Beis Hamikdash means. A place where God will dwell. A place where Neshamas will come and melt into God. And we will do that and bring the Shekhinah down into our bodies as well. And that serves the whole purpose of creation. We understand what the Chanukah means. To initiate it, we need a very powerful um, 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 opening day, so to speak, to make it happen. We need a powerful opener. Now he's going to explain, once you have a Beis Hamikdash, we have two types of song. We have Mizmar Shir. What's Mizmar Shir? Ah, because what we said in the beginning of the Mimer, who sings? The Shamas sing. When we melt into God, it's done through a song. Who sings? The Shamas sing and Malachim sing. Our song is much deeper. It causes us to melt in a much deeper way than the Malachim. But the Malachim also get excited. They come close. They're not getting as far as we are, but they're... That's why their song is called Mizmar and our song is called Shir. What's it between Mizmar and Shir? Mizmar is song that is sung through musical instruments. Mizmar is, Shir is, is vocal singing. So what is the difference between music coming from musical instruments and vocal singing? Musical instruments means there's an instrument. Song is sound without the instruments, even though technically you can say the body, the person, the vocal cords, that's the instrument. But still, it's, 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 it's being emitted pure sound. Here, it's also human sound. You're blowing, let's say. You're blowing uh, a, 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 wind, a wind instrument. You're blowing. It's just that it's not just coming out from the person. It's being channeled through a clarinet, through a trumpet, through a saxophone or whatever it is. And that's helping create the sound. That's the difference. The malachim, their song is like musical instruments because they have a keli. The nishamis, their song is like without a musical instrument, like vocal singing. Mizmar shir, the two songs. Why are both songs by the Beis Hamikdash? Because when once the shechina dwells in the Beis Hamikdash, and this becomes grand central station of all of creation and all of existence, this becomes the Wi-Fi center, not just for nishamis but for malachim as well. So everybody is singing towards this place. This is the place that's attracting the song of Malachim and Hashanahs. Before the Beis Hamikdash stands, it's in heaven, but then it begins, the whole Shechina dwells down here. So down here is the place that has the Mizmar and the Shir. It was reflected, he's going to say, in the song of the Beis Hamikdash as well, because you had two, Levium would, 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 would sing, but the musical um, performances of the Levium was a blend of the, the vocalists and then there was the, the, instru- the, the, the instruments. And it represented the mizmar and the shir that was being sung. There's a difference between mizmar and shir. What is sung through musical instruments, with a harp. Benevil, I think, is symbols. And a harp. That's called the song of zimra. It's a, kli, it's a song that's coming from a keli, from an instrument. And the song is purely from the mouth. The voice, the sound, comes from the mouth. That's not in a vessel. 
who stand in the highest, they're powerful. Their song is like, but they're considered from the external part of the world. They have a tzura, they have a nefesh, tzura is more the spirit, but they also have a chomer, they also have a, a physical, they have, not a physical, but they have a somewhat of a, of a substance to them. Or vikeli, light and vessel. So their song that they sing and praise and beautify as shame kavoid malchusa, his glorious kingdom, his barach betoda with thanks, the kol zimran and and the sound of singing, nikropchenas mizmar. That's called a mizmar. Metzachu hazemer amalubish baakeli. It's a zemer that's enclosed in a keli. Shemchenas chomer vitzura. It's chomer and sura again. Lights and vessels, energy and container. And that's why they don't achieve complete nullification. To become absorbed in their source. Like a flame into its blaze. Because they have too much of an identity of a keli, of a limitation, to allow them to do that. Their keli stops them. And that's why also their bitl nirgash. Even their bitl is loud. As we said earlier, the, the Navi can hear it. Because even their bitl is, is a public bitl. They make, it's not a quiet bitl, they, because they have self-awareness even in their bitl. They're, they're conscious of their bitl, so therefore it's considered a noisy bitl. Nirgash, bekoil rashkot, even when they're making, even when they're becoming bottle, they, they let everybody know that they're becoming bottle because they, they have a self, that they have a lot of a self into them. Hakom esibis hakeli, all because of the keli. That's what, that's them. Obeshir upchenes hashir shalom neshamah. He said the shir is the shir of the neshamah shebegan Eden. Sheyotzim beshir venem shacham beshir. They're being drawn to God into the fl- into the blaze with a with a shir with a song. Bebitol amiti with a silent bitol with a real bitol with a true bitol. Kebitol aner befnei avuka like a little flame that's getting absorbed in a big blaze it doesn't make any noise. It's quiet silently just. Gets drawn into it. Because they don't have a choymer and a keli. That's why their song is called a shir. Because it's not in a keli. They don't have thickness, they don't have coarseness. Look in those two places. We once learned a whole mimer on that. The difference between the Levium singing and even higher than them is the Kahanim singing. Usually the Kahanim didn't sing. But David HaMelech once said, I'm going to switch it around. I'm going to have the Kahanim sing. And they're called the Chasidecha. Kahanim are called Chasidecha, as it says, because they come from the side of Chesed. Levium are from the side of Gevura. Tumecha ve'urecha le'ish Chasidecha is referring to Aaron HaKon. We just read it. The Kahanim shu'bchenes al-yoyne yoyser, it's higher. It's more edel than the Levium. So similar to that difference of the Kahanim and the Levium is the difference between Neshamas and Malachim. V'aldeirach zayyuv ha'maylus p'chenas shir al-p'chenas mizmar. Gam b'pardis b'erach ha'kinuyim, erach shir, p'edish kishir hui b'chachma. It's higher. Achinei b'migdash, hoya gilu shechina, m'koyra nesham. Now, but now he's going to explain why both of them were there. Why do you have mizmar and shir? Because since the Migdash was the gilu of the shechina, who is the source of all of creation, and therefore the source of the souls and also of the Malachim. 
Mokar Anishamas Vamalachim, the source of the Nishamas and the Malachim. Kamashakasav Malchuscha Malchus Kalaylamim. Your Shekhinah, your Malchus, Shekhinah Malchus is the same. Your Shekhinah, your Malchus is the kingship of all the world, both the Panemius and the Chitzonius. Therefore, the Kachnema Bachanukas Abayas. That's why it says by the Chanukas of the Bayas, Mizmoy Shir, both together. Shayim is Galisham Shneim, over there there was a revelation of both. Pchenes Hamizmoy Shalom Malachim, the Mizmoy of the Malachim. And the, and the vocal singing of the Nishamas, the source of all the singing, and that's drawing them, the magnet that's pulling them to sing in the first place, is the Shechina Baruch Hu, that was revealed in the Migdash, as we said before. And he says, so literally was in the base of Migdash, in the song of the Levim, they were divided into two groups. Those who sang with their mouth, by the way, the singing with the keli didn't even require Levim. Musical, the, the, those who can play with music, according to Allah, I think there might be different opinions, but I think there's definitely an opinion that says that the, the, you, can, you don't have to be a levy to play. But the singing had to be from the Levim. Because Gemara has an argument, what's the main shira? Is it the, the vocal singing or the, or the musical? Now the question is, why does it sometimes say Shir Mizmar? You find sometimes that in certain Tehillim, Psalms, it says Shir Mizmar, Shir before Mizmar. And at other times it says Mizmar Shir. It's a Shir Mizmar of Korach. So what's the difference? Since Mizmar is the external that's enclosed in a Keli. And Shir is the Pneumius that built a Keli that doesn't have a Keli. Lekach therefore. When we want to bring this together, we want to create harmony and both types of singing. The question is, who is instigating? What starts first? Is, for example, in music, you can have sometimes a composition where the music starts first and then the singer starts singing. The vocalists come in afterwards. Or you can have the opposite. Sometimes you have just a vocal sound and then suddenly the music slowly would like start coming in from the background. You have sometimes, that's a composition that works that way. In other words, are you working your way from your panemius first? And if you have a concert with a singer, the concert, the, the vocal singer, if it's a good singer, they're the panemius of the presentation. The chitzainius is the accompaniment, is the music. So the question is, what is inspiring what? Are you starting from the panemius that pulls the chitzainius in? Or are you starting with the chitzainius and pulls the panemius? That's the, that's the question. Is it, since it's a yichud based upon him, Oisha Elyon Yered Lamata, or the one above can go down below. The one below can rise. When it says Mizmar Shir, means elevation. So first the Malachim starts. First you have the, the Mizmar, the Malachim singing, and they want to be absorbed and integrated into the deeper song of the Nishamis. And to become attached to it. The Shir Mizmar works the opposite. The one above goes down below to inspire the more external kind of singing. To attach itself to him and to elevate him. Shire is double. It's a double singing. It's a double singing. So you see this idea. The Pidashir, the Iwakafa, what does it mean? A double song? Haino Yichud Zun. It's the Yichud of Zuchre Nukva, which is the same idea that we're talking about, but on a higher level. Because Malchus is called Nukva, she's the source of Kalim. So she's more Shaykh to the Malachim. Zuchre, the Zair Anpin, is more energy compared to Malchus. 
That's why Shir Kafel is the Yichud of both them together. And that's the idea of Mizmar Shir in the lower realms. It's the Malachim singing together with the Nishamas. And we see that by Kedusha, what do we say? Yachat Kulam. We're going to sing together with them. We're going to sing together with the Malachim. Some of the songs that we sang on Yom Kippur was constantly saying how the Malachim up there are singing and we're singing along down here. Vavisa Shira, you want. Tehila, you want the songs from the Kritzachayim, and you want, and they're singing, and we're singing together. We're singing together with them, so that's the. But we always take it that we have the honor to sing with them. It's really the opposite. They have the honor to sing with us. Mizmar is also, there's another meaning. Mizmar is also Lashen Zemer, Vizchalkos. We said before Mizmar is a Kali, but Mizmar has another meaning. It also comes from the word of splitting up. Why? Your vineyard you should not prune. Sizmar means pruning. So what are you doing when you're pruning? You're separating parts that don't belong from parts. You're, you're cutting away. So, tizmar, so Zemer means to separate. He says that's more applicable when it goes into a keli. When it goes into a keli, for example, when you're blowing a sound, it's a simple sound. But when it goes into the clarinet or into the thing, by the various different movements, it's getting that one sound is getting broken into different, different, different sounds. So the keli is splitting it. That's what the keli does. It splits and it forms. Shuhulosh and pirud v'yischalkus shel hanigan shenechtak. It gets split into smaller pieces. in the keli. Excuse me. Okay. Which isn't the case in the song. The same as above. Okay. So this is the Mizmar Shir. Now, what does the Davod HaMelech say? What? For example, the shofar leaves the sound as it is because it doesn't. It is a keli, but not much of a keli. It's a it's pashut. Epidish kidalisani, and the sound and the diff. And what is the meaning of dilisani? You've lift. What does David Melech say? Mizmar shir chanukas abayis. Now what? Aramim chashem. I'm going to exalt you, God. Kidalisani, you've lifted me up. And now finally the Malachim can't laugh at me anymore. They're not going to rejoice over me. So what does it mean in Kidili Sani? You've lifted me. So he's saying the word Dili Sani is Kavald. I guess three perushim. The word Dili Sani has three meanings. Shatam l'chol zeh. What's the reason for all of that? It's Kidili Sani because the Nishamas are greater than the Malachim. Allah Malachim on the Malachim. V'yisrein azeh. And this greatness... The word the Lisani explains all facets of the greatness of the Nishamas over the Malachim based on what we learned. There's three Perushas. One meaning in the word the Lisani means to lift something up. Um, to elevate something up. The Lisani also comes from the word Dal. Dal means poverty. Vanius. Vagimel. And the third one, Meloshin Dolla, Dolla means to draw. 
like when you're drawing a pail. Oh, it says by, uh, uh, you know, Rivka went down and she was, or by the daughters of Yisrael, she thanked, he, Moshe came and he was dole for them. Lasha she'iva. This is a lashon of drawing. They're all three are true. There are three qualities that, that neshamas have over malach. One of them is elevated. And that is The neshama is higher than the malach. It comes from, she comes from the inner worlds, not from the chitzonis. Shumibchenes pnimias. Neshamas come from the pnimias. Mashenkena malachim, the malachim. So that's the first pitch. We're from a much higher place. Ulezois, and that's the reason why we can bow down and they can't bow. They can't bow like we can bow. Ulezois, shtachvos, and neshamu betula, bimakaira. That's why her bowing and her bittel in her source, ubeyeser seis, is deeper, stronger, it's without noise, and it's complete. Literally like a flame in front of a big fire in which it becomes completely assimilated in the big blaze. So that's the, because the Nishamas are from a higher, deeper place. Vabez. means poor. And this is an interest. This is a very positive poverty. This is meaning that your poor means you're lightweight. That's the poverty. You're not carrying baggage. And the richness means you're loaded with stuff. The malachim, they, they carry weight. The neshamas are poor, they don't have anything to carry, they don't have any physicality to it. That's their poverty. They're naked souls, there's no body there. No clothing, nothing there to hold them. Neshama is without a garment. Doesn't have a, ke- a guf and a keli that's going to limit her. Which isn't the case with the angels. She yeshlam gufim. They have bodies, shem ruchais, their spirits, the eishloet, as we said over there, wind and fire. So, in other words, these two things work together, but it's the other side of the coin, but it's, this, it's the same idea. We're, we're from a deeper place, and in that deeper place, there is no bodies. And that's Dili Sanimer. And you've given me that, and the Malachim don't have that. And that's, that's the reason why we can melt into him completely, and they can't. Now, why are we that way? Because originally, originally, we're drawn like you draw water from, from same idea like fire. When fire, is, when fire is taken from fire, it's the same fire. Remember we said? That's why it can melt into the fire. Water is also the same thing. That water... Is in, is in the source, and then it's unidentifiable. It's all part of it. Then when you draw the water out, it becomes distinct. But you can take that same water and pour it right back in, and it's part of the bigger water. Right? Because it's drawn. It's not something else. It's, one, it's the same substance. It's not like plucking a stone out of the water. That's a different story. This is the water. They were drawn from the source when they were excavated. And they're drawn from water. The malachim come from malchus, because they're malachim. Malchus is all about being a king. There has to be a creation. Malachim don't have a higher source than malchus, so malchus creates them to be something. Neshamis they come from chachma, pnimius of the lakos. 
the Ebershtu where he is himself. No world. Chachm is in the No world. And the Shamas are part of his existence. Like a child comes from the father's brain, from the Chachm. That's called water. It's called Yam HaChachma. It's the sea of water. And that's where the Neshamas are drawn. That's the reason why they're Pneumias. That's the reason why Dili Sunny, why we're elevated. And that's also the reason why we're not created, meaning we're just drawn. We're not fixed with a keli, with a real hagbala. That means that's why we're weightless. The other pirush of Dili Sunny, poor. But all three pirushim are really expressing the same idea. One is talking mitzah, the shoyrish shoyrish. Now where do we begin? Because we're being drawn out of you and a continuation of you, but being drawn from that source, from Yama Chachma. Then, as a result of that, we exist in a very elevated existence. Even when we're up there, we're in an elevated existence over the Nishamas, over the Malachim. In addition to that, the Lishon, we're lightweight, and we don't have that keli that defines us. And therefore, we're able to bring the Shechina down here and have the last laugh on the Malachim. That's it. Like it says, It says, By Rivka, she filled her jug. One jug of the sea of Chachma. It says that the entire Torah that we have is only one jug full. That's the idea. Kad. Kad is Chav Dalet Sifrei Deiraisa. Entire scripture. 24 books of the Torah. Its foundation. What's the foundation of the soul? What's her foundation? She is founded in the holy mountains. The holy mountain represents she's she's rooted very, very high. Kodesh is called Chachma. It's a supernal Chachma. Makar Torah. We're rooted in the same place the Torah is rooted in Chachma. That's why we can receive the Torah, because it, it goes. It clicks with us because we're rooted in that same bittel, in that same place. The Torah was also taken from there. Kad min ayam, one kad. And that's why we say, Yisrael v'ayrais v'kutsha b'nichu kulachad. We're all one. K'mosh yikasa v'toyda sambi Yisrael. David puts the Torah into us. Why? Uksi, v'zois lifnim b'yisrael. V'ein zois el l'toras. V'zois lifnim b'yisrael is in the pnimius of Yidin. Because we and the Torah are all rooted in that place of bittel and place of total oneness with Hashem. They are fitting for the Shechina to dwell in them and to receive the Torah more than Malachim. What a good way to start Bereshus. From Bereshus already we set the rules. Who's the boss? Who's going to call the shots? Sorry. I told them. Chassidus always trapezach with the malachim, you should know.